right, everybody, it's another edition of Cover to Cover. It's Rob Naylor joining you here with uh, Chris Z. What's up, Chris? What's up, Rob? Hey, buddy. Hey. I, uh, I have a magazine to read. So oh, makes- well, I would hope so. This is what the show's about. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I picked one from 1987, and I know I think I said I was going to do 86, but I lied. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> it really doesn't. Uh, I picked... The Pro Wrestling Illustrated from February 1987, and it's got uh, all the UWF guys fighting over a trophy on it, and it's the PWI $50,000 Challenge Tournament, who is the best in the UWF. Here it is. So uh, That's one of the most awesome memorable stories. covers of that era, oh, too. No doubt. Very memorable cover. A very rare cover that's not a WWF or NWA guy. Or like world class. Yeah. Probably one of the only Watts covers I would imagine for Pro Wrestling Illustrated, if we're being honest. Uh, think about it, yeah. Because I think the yeah. DBIC cover was after he signed with WF, but it's used a Watts photo. Watts era photo yeah. of DBIC. Yeah, there might have been a Mid South DBIC cover, but as far as UWF goes, I think this was the only one. Yeah, uh, right. There's a press conference with Magnum TA. And it's Hogan versus versus Hogan versus Orndorff or Orndorff, as I, as I said at the time. It's wrestling's hottest feud, and uh, they ain't lying with that headline. That feud drew a lot of money. Uh, color pinup: Randy Savage and Elizabeth. That color pinup is no longer in the magazine because I used to rip them all out. So <laughs> hey, I did the same exact thing, brother. I, I, I still got. I think I showed you the the pinups I had where all the whole the thumbtack holes were in them while I was tacking to the wall. <laughs> no doubt so it's not in here so if you're you know holding out for that uh discussion on the pinup we're not gonna have it uh so you open this thing up and it says i tried for years to gain weight and it says big muscles in seven days and charles atlas photos and uh you know so it's a fucking wonder we all didn't have body dysmorphia with all these <laughs> muscular people we were admiring and then gaining weight and being a, a muscle man all these fucking things in these magazines god bless every them. one of them for all, all i mean all those years i mean even when i you know i started buying the magazines from the 50s and the 60s that was in there then <laughs> man i wonder how much money these people made it's fascinating to me send me 30 tablets for seven dollars and 95 cents there I'm you sure go they were safe yeah no doubt low cost waste stop stop wasting money uh fda approved i'm sure <laughs> yes and the guy's got a nice hairy chest wonderful okay so we're passing this along now uh we're gonna go the between fall section and it's got they would go like a couple months back or the last issue and talk about it and the last issue had dusty Rhodes on it with the world title and it had flair and, and animal and nikita and magnum and r&r and baby doll on the front by the way, I gotta find this magazine. I want this magazine. I got the that PW- magazine. I have it too, but the cover's goddamn <laughs> destroyed beyond oblivion, so I wouldn't even know where it would be. That, but yeah, that's the one of the I got off eBay. I mean, I as far you know, one of the purchases I got and one of the, the buys, and yeah, I never had that originally, so I'm, I'm I was uh, happy to get that one. Yeah, I had it originally, and I just uh, I absolutely love the cover with Dusty with the belt because he didn't have it too long, so it's kind of cool. Two weeks, indeed. I remember he lost it on my birthday on August 9th, which fucking sucks. But uh, I didn't know that at the time. Thank yeah, God. I didn't no. Yeah, we, we, me and you both, remember? <laughs> yeah, 
Oh yeah, you're right. And then he won it on July 26, which I remember for some. I don't know whose birthday that is, but fuck it, I do remember that date. Uh, so uh, they're talking about the magazine and uh, what do we got here? The one guy's talking about all the different bashes and 50 bucks for a ringside seat's too much and all this other stuff. And then somebody else from Ben Salem, PA. He was uh, ECW he was stronghold when he, in Salem, PA. What's that? ECW stronghold in Salem, Pennsylvania. Uh, yeah, and he he called it the cover jinx because by the time that magazine came out, Dusty of course had lost the title. So uh, I think that happened with Carrie too, which this guy's pointing out. So oops, probably Tommy Rich too. Fuck him. Uh, <laughs> those, those three month AWA and NWA title changes. If you were Japanese, you were fucked because you would win the belt and you were not going to have that shit by like next month for sure. Uh, all right, what else we got here? Uh, someone enjoys world class. Oh no, he's calling WWF a class A organization <laughs> since they now have Harley Race recognizing such. And Dick the Rebel Slater, Jake the Snake Roberts, and Billy Jack all making their way to uh, WWF. And then he says, as for the circus, just take a look at clowns like Ric Flair, Jimmy Boogie Boogie Man Valley, and Steve Dr. Death Williams. Wait, what? <laughs> that doesn't even make sense. Whoever called Dr. Death a clown, I don't really understand yeah, call, that. Call that to his face. <laughs> yeah, right. Holy shit. Interesting. So, yeah, this guy was a, a diehard person caping for WWF back in 1986. So, well, hey, bless his heart. Hey, that, yeah, good for him. That, that, I mean, just because, I mean, there's tribalism in wrestling fans today. There's tribalism in wrestling fans in the 90s and the 80s. It's all, it's, it's been that way forever, folks. It's way. Forever. It just seems like there's way more of them now, though. I don't know. Just I think, well, I think a lot, I think a lot of it these days is there's more of a medium to do it than there ever was before with social media and stuff. And you got the instantaneous shit talking, which, you know, back in these days, I mean, basically, you have to write a letter to the new magazine. So if some guy's writing a letter bashing one promotion, then a, then somebody that's a fan of that promotion is going to write a letter back. Then it appears like a two issues later, and it's just it's just a back and forth that takes months. You know, yeah. now it takes seconds. So the whole writing thing, and and not only does it take seconds, it's a lot less thought put in. You're not exactly. writing exactly. You're exactly. talking very quickly and putting out a tweet. But uh, anyway, speculation that former world-class champion Rick Rude will get a shot at NWA world champion Ric Flair has all but ceased. As uh, Upon arriving in the NWA, Rick Rude has aligned himself with number one Paul Jones, a move that virtually eliminates any chance he has of getting a shot at Flair. Always enjoyed this kind of thing because – even as kids, we just knew bad guys weren't going to wrestle bad guys, and the magazines kind of played that up too. Well, the, the the interesting thing with that one is, okay, you I don't know if you may remember this. All right, in '87, early '87, when Bull and Rude were tag champions, Rude would openly go after the Horsemen in promos on television, and I mean he would talk talk shit on Flair and Tully, and I mean he was. It, 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 if you didn't know better, you're thinking they're setting something up here. Bull would have something to say, and then there would be times that Flair would would come out and he would have a little retort, and you're thinking, okay, they're building something here. We're gonna get some heel versus heel stuff. It never happened. It's basically these guys were just shooting their own angles, basically, and talking shit. And Rude and Flair didn't have the best relationship, so 
That's what it was. But wow, the bull, the bull didn't like anyone either. Yeah, he even shit on Arn on his shooting. Well, he talks shit on everybody on his shooting interview. <laughs> oh yes, anyway. he does. Yeah, Manny hated Flair. He thought he was a weak guy who could lose in a shoot. Manny obviously hated Tully for reasons we've probably gone over times before. Uh, and then Oli is just an asshole to everybody generally. So like Manny didn't like him either. But uh, that would have been sick if Rude and Manny ended up getting a run with, uh, you know, Flair and Lex or something. I don't know. I think it would have been cool because I don't think Ric Flair ever had a single match with Manny Fernandez, which is he did. when you think of people he did on house shows. Ooh, yeah. I would have I would have guessed that Flair never would have been in the ring with Manny out of fear that Manny would shoot on it him. It wasn't many. I'd say probably less than five, but it happened. In, in 84, 85? When would that have been? 85. Hmm. Yeah. 85. Interesting. I enjoy watching those matches. I think they would probably yeah, they gel. Were, they were house shows in uh, the Carolinas, yeah. Some, I think smaller house shows, not the not the major market shows, but yeah. I think Manny Fernandez has more matches I want to see unearthed than any other wrestler on the planet. We did find the Barbarian match recently on the network, which is wonderful. But yeah, I mean, yeah, Manny's one of those guys where he he wasn't you know pushed as a main player, but he was a guy who was very credible, and you could believe anything he was doing because of how he presented himself and the way he worked in the ring. So he's a he's like a cult favorite in that way. He's my cult favorite. The next page, King's Court. Peter King. Peter King. Yes. Uh, from Sports Illustrated. Maybe not. I don't know. Who knows? Was, that, was it the same one? We don't know. I don't think it, so, but you never know. It could be. Yeah, I wonder if he was a real person. You never know with these fucking magazines. Um, okay, so this here has <coughs> – he's looking at the state of wrestling. Trouble in Ganya City with the AWA. The, a the ESPN shows a huge embarrassment, and uh, crowds are down throughout the AWA, deservedly so. Talent's painfully thin with only Scott Hall, Jimmy Snuka, and the Midnight Rockers showing any sign of being world-class. As we go to press, rumors circulating, Michaels and Janetti are contemplating moving elsewhere. Uh, picture of Nick Bockwinkle with the title, which I really like that AWA title after it got run over by the car, and they gave Bockwinkle another one. I like that belt. But Bockwinkle looks like a fucking senior citizen in every way here. Well, you know it, that belt is, right? That's what the, is it? That belt. Vern, Vern had that belt specially made for himself. Oh, are you kidding me? All right. Do you do you remember a book? I'm talking about someone she's for. Do you remember the book? There was this book that was sold in bookstores called Matt Wars. It was a <sighs> AWA. It's a Pro Wrestling USA book because it featured AWA, NWA guys, and Pro Wrestling USA guys, like little profiles of of all these different wrestlers. And do you remember this? It's a big book. It came out eighty eighty five eighty six. If I saw a photo of who was on the cover, if it was like the fabulous one, it was somebody. different. It was a bunch of little pictures of different people. Yeah, Road like Warriors, I, Jimmy Garvin. In that book. Yeah, Vern. It, the, the picture of Vern in that book is of him after he retired in his trunks with that belt around his waist. Wow. So he had he had that belt made for him. I guess after he retired to be his World Heavyweight Championship belt, and then when Hanson you know, took the belt with him, you know, and ran over and whatever, you know, then Vern needed a title. So they decided to use that title, which ended up, you know, Lawler ended up keeping 
you know, as the AWA champion, and when he didn't send the belt back to Vern, when they stripped him of the title, he kept it and and basically retired it because the Memphis, the CWA had already made the unified War Heavyweight title belt. But then when the Snowman wins that title and he decides to do what he does and and leaves and quits, basically, he takes the belt with him. So Lawler has to break up the old AWA title out of retirement and use it as the unified title. <laughs> wow. That's crazy. And I thought that Zabisco was the last one. So Zabisco got a different belt, huh? Uh, yes. Wow, I never knew that. Huh. I love this AWA belt. It's unfortunate that, uh, well, it's just unfortunate that <laughs> basically it ended up being like a second tier belt with the unified belt. I mean, it, it became like a that. replacement yeah, so belt twice. So, <laughs> so Lob, does Lob uh, still have it? Yes. Who knows? I know, yes. Interesting. <laughs> I like that belt. That belt in the character oh, my, my favorite. Uh, Bill Watts promotion and lean and hungry. <laughs> Both excellent talent and very competitive matchups, and uh, which is why PWI decided to sponsor a tournament with the UWF. I like the way they brought all that together. It does lack a mainstream bona fide superstar like Magnum TA or Hulk Hogan, which I kind of get. Also lacks a network or cable TV contract. You know, when I would read these stories back in the day, I didn't give a shit about any of this stuff. It's just so funny how much it resonates now as I read it, where it's like, oh, they do need a cable TV contract. Uh, it was mainly a tournament that was in Houston. I mean, that was the main thing about it. I mean, they had some tournament matches on television, but it, I mean, everything, the main stuff happened in Houston. So, yeah. Hey, I know everyone's all yay, rah, rah, NWA this week, but uh, God, let's hope Billy Corgan puts that shit out again like the yeah, other guy did. Yeah, he's got everything. Uh, it's there. Yeah. I didn't appreciate that service until it was gone. Well, here's the thing now like, is pretty you... much everything that aired on that is on YouTube now for free. <laughs> We're going to talk after the show, Chris. Oh, wow. That's amazing. That's awesome. Good. Good. That's, that's all I got to say. That's the good. Show. There we go. Holy shit. Uh, world class. It seems hard to believe just two short years ago, world class was competing with the NWA and WWF as the top spot. But now it's been not faring well. I'll say. Oh, no. It says, it says recently the Texas-based promotion has been faring as well as its Texas ancestors <laughs> did against the Mexican <laughs> army at the Alamo. Fucking stupendous. Uh, so, strengths of world class, of course, is also its main weakness, the Von Erichs, which is kind of rare for them to take a shot at the Von Erichs in this magazine this, in, like, 87. Uh, Mike's has this near-fatal illness. Carrie's still out of action. And the, Kevin, obviously. Oh, one thing we did say on the other day on that other podcast yeah. I did. Uh, gentleman's favorite is Kevin Von Eric. Not my favorite. I like David, but like now that I think about it, I think I do like Kevin more than the Rain than Carrie. Um, they, they all imagine, imagine, imagine a Stan Hansen Kevin Von Eric match, right? Because Kevin was so there with everything he did, yeah. and Hansen was Hansen. So, like, I, I think that would have been, like, the best shoot fight It, it, in the it would world. have been a definite <laughs> potato fest. I mean... Oh, no I doubt. Mean, yeah, and that's the... David... David was the complete complete wrestler of the three. Kevin was the, the you know, the guy who was the, the hardest hitting of the three. 
and Carrie was the more dynamic of the three. So each of them were different in their own way, which was great that they all stood out in different ways like that and wasn't trying to be each other, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. They all had their own little uh, detail. Uh, okay, now they're talking about world class. How dare they take a talent like Bam Bam Bigelow from the Mid-Southern region and turn him into Crusher Yurkoff. <laughs> yes. Goddamn Yurkoff. Hated that gimmick. <laughs> so, uh, that was the worst. Uh, I like Larry, uh, Larry Sharp is the manager in World Class. It's pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, just also, World Class has entered into a booking agreement with the WWF with Ricky Steamboat scheduled to appear on the Cotton Bowl show. Uh, interesting how that George came and Scott. went, too, because he did do the Cotton show. Yeah, did it and then left. Yeah, George Scott. I mean, but you look at it, though. I mean, look at World Class late in 86. You have, uh, you know, Master G coming in. You got. Uh, Tony Atlas coming in, and there's some guys who had been in WWF, just been in WWF, and now they're they come in the world class. So there was there was something there. George Scott, you know, had left WWF. He was where he was the head Booker and went the world class. So there was a little bit there, a little connection. Do you have a favorite Master G match? Favorite Master G match uh, had to be Butch Reed in Mid South. Would be you. No, okay. Yeah, I can't think of anything off the top. I was a giant George Wells fan, though, believe it or not. I uh, I liked all the losers in WWF that would almost win. So oh, you talking about Wells Master I mean, which, Because he was Master G in Mid-South with George Wells before he had all his problems. And then, and then of course, he had met, when he was Master G in World Class, I mean, he was, he was coked See, out I, at that point in time. I was about to say, I don't know anything about any of his problems, but okay, oh, wow, God, I didn't yeah. know that. Uh, is he still alive? I know, yeah. Oh my God, Chris! Someone's got to do a Master G shoot interview. <laughs> well, I would I mean, love it. He would have some stories because I mean, his starting the business came when he was a football player in Canada, and he just started wrestling in the, in the Canadian promotions, you know, in the off season. And oh, hundred percent. But he he worked 100%. everywhere. So I mean, he he worked pretty much every territory at least once. So that's that's what I like. I'd like to hear about what he'd have to say because again, he was in the WWF at its apex, pretty much. He was in world class for a cup of coffee, mid south, like you said. I only really remember him from WWF and a little bit from Master G era and world yeah, class. Yeah, he worked. Um, he in, there in the early eighties. He worked for Crockett. He worked for Georgia. I mean, he did some shots in Florida. He worked for Watts. Oh, I had no idea until you're telling me this right now. And I usually am really nerdy and stuff like this. So he was California with uh, Bear Leonis promoter. He worked. Uh, he worked for Mike LaBelle, Los Angeles. I mean, he he worked all over the place. He had Japanese tours. So George Wells didn't debut in oh, WWF. No, no, George Wells was around the seventies. Get the fuck out of here! When he wow. played football, he was he wrestled on the side, and he he he, he, he yeah he worked baby. in Vancouver and Calgary, yeah. and then he 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 was a he was a big deal in Canada because he was a football player. And Vancouver, Calgary, he worked for Tony in Toronto, worked that area, and yeah, he worked all over. Absolutely. Chris, you remain He was Butch Reed's tag partner in Georgia in 81 for, for a spell. Yeah. Huh. Was he Master G before uh, World yes, Class? Yes, he met Alpha Watts. That Holy was when shit. he first well, used his name. They brought – because he was the – he was really the first guy that Watts brought in after JYD walked out to be the replacement for JYD. They brought him in with a big push. They gave him, uh, you know, Rapper's Delight as a theme music, Master G's verse on it, as a matter of fact. 
and he he, he wore this big ass fucking cast on his hand. This is on WWE Network. Where he came in with a towel re- draped over his arm and said that he had a booking in Madison Square Garden that night, but he gave it up so he can come work for Mid South, and uh, which is hilarious because that wasn't true. And he confronted Butch Reed in the ring, and then he pulled the towel off and beat the shit out of him with a cast, which set up ghetto street fights around the horn and everything. And then he he then mm-hmm. he started become then he started getting the big head, and uh, watch jobbed him out. <laughs> when I was a young man, like a kid, and I thought I read like ghetto street fights in the magazines, you know, I thought it was like the coolest thing ever. And now I've realized the fucking massive potential racism around it. And I'm like, not so much, but at the time, on paper as a kid, cool name for a match. Uh, Mid Southern huh. Jerry Lawler. St- Still the king of Memphis, although his competition has grown weaker. That's all they write. Continental, another area that mixes uh, up-and-comers with proven veterans. Nothing else. Then lastly, Florida. Still providing uh, a proving ground for young talents. Florida boasts the presence of future world champion Lex Luger and current superstar Barry Windham. <laughs> it is one of the most underrated wrestling yeah, no, it wasn't. Well, not no, for it long. Wasn't. Florida was in way worse shape than uh, Memphis or Continental was in this era. And Florida was pretty much on the level of world class at this point in time. Absolutely. Oof. Wow. Well, now we go to uh, Dressing Room Confidential with hey. Stu Sachs. And it's a, pic- it's a picture with Magnum Scott Hall with Magnum T.A. And, uh, yeah, it's got to be a pretty rare photo, as I don't recall Scott Hall and Magnum being on too many cards together. But it looks like it's taken about 86, 87. They used some photo shoot USA, at show. Because they worked those but, shows together. Yeah, I assume that is it, but they're making of the fact that AWA is calling him Magnum Scott <laughs> Hall. Like, and then they talk about what's in a name. But he was formerly Big Scott Hall, so I don't know. I guess I like Big Scott Hall a little bit better. P.I. stuff, actually. Not, I wouldn't even, not even say Man the T.A. at this point. It's Man the P.I., which is still a, you know, still a thing on television, so big show. The next page, In Focus, which we all mm-hmm. love. Uh, Tag Team Mania, and it's a picture of the fabulous ones who legit look like they spent at least half a year working out with the Road Warriors. It's the most jacked, fabulous ones photo I've ever seen in my <laughs> life. Like, I'm looking at Kern here, who I would see daily a couple years ago, and I'm just like, that cannot be Steve Kern. It is totally Steve Kern. And, and fucking Stan Lane looks like Lex Luger in this photo. It's fucking insane. And they're have, they hold the Florida tag team yeah. titles. They're both on the food. And uh, it says, everyone's wondering where tomorrow's tag teams are coming from. Look no further than the Mid-Southern area. All right, so listen to this. <laughs> they list the tag teams. Fire and Flame, Akio Sato, and Tarzan Goto. The Nightmares, Memphis Vice, The Mod Squad, Rough and Ready, Giant Hillbilly, and Cousin Junior, The Bruise Brothers, The Hunters, The Beach Boys, The Blade Runners, Along with the fabulous ones, Fantastics and Sheep Herders, it's like holy shit, there are a lot of tag teams. Yeah, but some of those Southern weren't there at that time. They they weren't all together at the, at the same time. Oh well, they're making no, it that, like that, they that were, year. That, the they were all there in that in that year, but not there at the same time. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like I remember, Fire and Flame was Dirty Roads and yeah. Don Bass, right? All right, keep going. Okay. I mean, you know, Rough and Ready was. Uh, see, we're going to get to all of them. I have right, no we'll fucking idea who Rough and Ready. Right. 
so we got Fire and Flame, Akio Sato and Tarzan Goto, I think, were Akio Sato and Tarzan yes. Goto. <laughs> <laughs> the Nightmares were Danny Davis Correct. and Ken Wayne. Memphis Vice, I have Jerry no Bryant, fucking idea. Who died of Lou Gehrig's disease uh, in 1989. Terrible, terrible deal. And Big Lou Winston, who basically quit the business. When when uh, Jerry Bryant wow. got got sick, and uh, they were a team that was, I tell you, but if, if Bryant hadn't gotten sick, they would have been one of those teams that would have hung around Memphis and probably you know been been tag team champions a few times, stuff like that. They were just a Memphis team, man. But I mean, they were really fun. They come out there wearing like the white suits, like Miami Vice and stuff, and would wear like pastel colors. And they were heels, but turned baby faces, and uh, they were really fun. Really fun team. I think I need to dip into some uh, 85 and 86 Memphis oh, stuff. Because I've seen all like the must-see stuff, but I think there's a lot of stuff You need to watch the, the television. You need to get the full glimpse of everything yeah. in Memphis. I enjoy, enjoy the TV. Uh, Mod Squad was uh, the Jeffers Correct, Brothers, yes. right? By the way, really good team that gets made fun of and buried all the time. Very uh, I, they were very what's serviceable. That? I mean, they were a good heel, a good heel tag team to be the showcase against. I think t- Tony Schiavone and Conrad like buried the shit out of them on a recent show, so I got all defensive. But uh, I really like them as a team, especially as the Mod Squad, by the way. And uh, as job guys, I thought they were great. Uh, I'm watching a lot of your uh, old '86 uh, Worldwide tapes, and they were fantastic oh, yeah. on all those. What else we got here? Oh, and Dusty didn't know. Oh, no, Dusty always liked the Mod Squad. I remember talking to him a little bit about those guys. Uh, not as much as downtown Denny Brown, but he, he liked the Mod Squad, too. <laughs> All Rough right. And ready. Was, Rough and ready. Was that Carl Fergie and no. somebody, or was it uh, Rough Gilbert? Rough and ready no. were these two skinny black guys who, when they first— Not yeah, Gilbert. Yeah. And, uh, when they first came <laughs> in, they were managed by boss winners. Okay. And their gimmick was in keyword on boss because when they came in, they came in basically wearing like your attire. That I mean, they were basically like from the prison, from the chain gang. They oh, basically no. like chain gang. Oh, they no. were in cut off jean shorts and masks. So you could you could either say they were prisoners or slaves. So this is like predates Robert Parker. Oh yeah, and yeah, 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 yeah. Oh yeah. And, and boss winners, See, boss yeah, okay. winners wore like, uh, like, like a Dom DeLuise hat and a vest and you know, stuff like that. He didn't look like a, a, a one of those type of guys, but that was what they called him. And uh, they were just a job routine. They used to get the hell beat out of them. They eventually graduated to wearing tights, uh, <laughs> and like a, a year or two later. <laughs> but yeah, the early days of Rough and Ready was uh, wow. Definitely couldn't happen today. Okay, now. No, no, no. Shouldn't have happened in no, '86. No, so, no. <laughs> Giant hillbilly and cousin Junior. That's Correct. Elmer, yeah. right? Which they they build him at first, Uncle Elmer, until the WWF came a calling, and uh, they had to, they had to go to Uncle, uh, Giant Hillbilly. But cousin Junior, I mean, they let cousin Junior go, which was interesting. Not Uncle Elmer. Yeah, it's no. kind of weird. I don't understand that. And then the Bruce Brothers. That was not Ron. And no, Don this Harris. would be uh, the original Bruce Brothers. In fact, this would be. Porkchop Cash and Mad Dog Boyd. Who the fuck is Mad, Mad Dog, Dog Boyd? Boyd? Was the guy who, Dream Machine replaced Mad Dog Boyd in the in, in okay, the no quintessential. Well, he he's in he's in prison at this time, I think. And, um, the, the quintessential 
Bruce Brothers. Mad Dog was this, you know, this fat black guy who he was a local wrestler in Mississippi in that area, and he would he would just he he worked around Memphis and stuff like that. He had his famous match was he had a he had a little feud with Bobby Eaton in '83 where they did loser eats dog food matches, and Eaton would have to eat the dog food, or so it was so supposed to be dog food. But uh, yeah, that was Mad Dog Boy. They were the Bruce Brothers in Mid South mm-hmm. in late '85, early '86, being with the Sheep Herders. All right. Uh, basically, the, the Mad Dog Boyd is the Bruce brother who I never knew who it was. Yeah. So there it is, that guy. Uh, who is the Hunter? Bob Brown, the other Bob Brown. This would be the George, Georgia jobber, Bob Brown, who was a short, stocky, bald dude. And legendary jobber, Dale Veazey. Or as you may remember him, the future Lieutenant James Earl Wright from the State Patrol. All right. James Earl Wright. I love that six man he had with. Uh, State Patrol guy and uh, who was it? Fuck, Mister Hughes against uh, Tommy Rich, Ricky Morton, and JYD. D- Russell Dale Beasley, also match. famous uh, muscle bear on YouTube. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I've, I've heard this. It's been uh, something that's been told to me a time or two. Uh, muscle bear. Uh, again, I. It's probably been a decade since I heard that term, and it's still <laughs> fucking equally hilarious. Uh, the Beach oh, Boys. You love the Beach this. Boys? Van Van Horn and the illustrious Johnny Stewart. Holy fuck. Van Van Horn was in Memphis with the illustrious Johnny <laughs> yes, Stewart. Baby faces. I need to watch Memphis TV so bad. <laughs> I never even knew Van Van Horn wrestled in 1986. Uh, who is the Blade Runners? Oh, I know who that is. That's Stan. Yeah, that they were there right? early 86 before going to watch. Yeah. All right. God, that was fun. All right, so there's all those. I got my my alert in and for the, the day. Sheep, yeah, you mentioned the sheep herders in there, right? Yes, it's Jonathan Boyd. No, it's and not. Other guy, the, right? The, the, all right, here's what it was in early '86. Jonathan Boyd became like the third man of the sheep herders team and became like a manager. It was the sheep herders at this point in time that were wrestling was Rip Morgan and Taurus Bulba. Wow. See, I didn't even know Taurus Bulba was a yeah. sheep herder. Huh. I, I like Taurus Bulba. I love a big fan. Uh, so now on assignment with uh, Easy Liz Hunter, uh, we've got we've got that's the name. Uh, so we got Jimmy Valiant, and it's like a picture of Jimmy Valiant in the fifties, and Jimmy Valiant currently bald, and, like bald Jimmy Valiant after Paul Jones match, and like a what ragged a beard and tons of. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, and it's just like I just remember this shocking me as a child that like the guy on the left could be the same guy on the right like what the fuck like they look so different it's crazy yeah the the visual if you've never seen jimmy van get his head shaved watch it and watch watch his watch his facials just watch everything about him and that oh it's so it was like he was dying yes oh yeah jimmy i i love jimmy i i've probably watched goddamn 80 jimmy valiant matches in the last month just because i watch a lot of the tv and it's basically 80 seconds worth of jimmy valiant yeah, exactly. yeah. every <laughs> like standing elbow and then falling elbow boom 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 that's it so it's it's quick it's painless he comes out to a uh, boy from new york city and he fucking hits the the big claps and then elbows you elbows you boom it's so and it's one of those things where i never knew jimmy valiant kind of sucked as a wrestler until like 30 years later 
Because, like, when I was a kid, I was just conditioned. Hey, cool, man. He's got all that calcium in his elbow. He elbows you. You fall down. He elbows you again. That's it. And it's like he's a great worker in the fact that, like, he could do such a minimal amount of stuff. It's still yeah, be over. Say, so he, good for He sucked as a work rate wrestler. <laughs> I mean, as a professional yeah. wrestler, Jimmy Valiant was a great professional wrestler. Remember, it's different. Because in the end of the day, it's like none of the top guys would wrestle him much. Because it's like – he, he couldn't he, – they couldn't have a match with him. Like they do angles with him, but they didn't wrestle him. So then he would just get – he was like Dusty's guy who we just put with the undercard guys, all the Paul well, Jones' I mean, he, army. He did, have his, like, he did have his time. I mean he, he, had, a, he had a house show hmm. with Tully in uh, early 86 uh, between when, – When Tully piled him on the concrete, yeah. yeah. And it's just like it, it was such – it was a nothing feud in hindsight – and even Jimmy Garvin wrestled him, and like it was like a one minute match, and I was like, "Oh shit, okay." So it's just it's interesting to me that in Memphis he was a primetime money ball player all the time and mixed in and having matches. In NWA, for whatever reason, he just had his niche, usually in six minutes with like Rocky King or the Bull or Superstar Graham or Bugsy McGraw later, and it was all he would just have his little match, and Dusty kept him around, and he did his thing, and he got tons of heeks. He's such a sympathetic the thing figure. Is, though, he had fucking, been a top draw in the territory just a couple years earlier. I mean, his few his few with Ivan sure. Olaf. Yeah. I mean, they they broke records in buildings, like in the yeah. Carolinas, right? Yeah, they broke they broke records. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huge the yeah, it's crazy because like, obviously people age and everything. Like I talked on the other podcast about like Sergeant Slaughter and JYD. Like, I was a fan of JYD in 1988. <laughs> like, I loved his weeble wobble cell where you'd <laughs> fall down and do a pirouette. And fall. Like, I fucking loved it. Like, I I love JYD. But people are like, oh, God, JYD was one of the worst wrestlers of all time. I don't think so. Like, Jimmy Valiant, I appreciate it for what he was. But it's just interesting to me how in the NWA, as much as I wanted it, he never had, like, a big flare series on paper. And it, like, it was just me as a kid wanting it. But, like, Dusty knew where to put him on a show. Have the fans be happy when T. Joe Khan took the fall, and then move on. So it's 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 interesting. And again, that feud with Shaska Pez Watley and and Paul Jones is fucking great. And I thought Shaska Pez Watley was awesome. I thought he his turn was a little unusual. But <laughs> he, it, it's it's hilarious to watch. Like I cry laughing watching that heel turn, just because like the headbutt comes from out of nowhere and like he, Jimmy Valley just falls down and starts twitching. Oh, it's so fucking funny. But uh, you know, I, I I liked it a lot. But you know, the boogeyman. You know, what can you say? Lasertron got involved eventually. It's it's just classic, man. Like Jimmy Valley. Imagine like Jimmy Valiant was the booker. I wonder what Jimmy. Oh Valiant my would have god! <laughs> you know I mean? uh, it would have been wild. Because <laughs> my two favorite tag teams in 1987 were Jim Garvin and P.S. Hayes. Like they came out to Bad Street, but like Jimmy Garvin yeah, was still Jimmy Burns. Garvin, not yeah. Jimmy Jam. And I, I just thought that was a really cool tag team. And then I remember. Bugsy McGraw and Jimmy Valiant, who I then later found out won the worst tank team of the year or whatever. But like, oh my god, Bugsy McGraw had the wacky goggles and the wacky jacket, and I fucking love those two. So it's one of those funny things where, you know, it's it's just watching wrestling for what it is and enjoying Absolutely. it as opposed to like I probably if, if I was twenty years older I might have hated it. You know what I mean? It's just through whatever eyes you're watching with, you know. But I, I well, love to be watching wrestling that way, I think, personally. Yeah, I, I, mean, I agree. the days of I me agree. watching wrestling and having 
like hate watching it in that mindset of all right how let me let me review this match that mindset of to try to do a review you know i'm just watching to have fun if i you know if i'm entertained i'm good yeah. you know just entertain me it's Say that because I was looking at an AW review just the other day of someone who I enjoy reading, and I was just like, dude, this guy, and he's just like, he's watching it to get upset and just get his take out, and like to no avail, actually. So I was just like, Jesus, dude, like, just pull, like, like the reason I think I stopped watching WWE was because I, I was getting like that, you know what I mean? It's like, well, what the fuck is the point? If you're just gonna get upset when you watch something, just don't exactly. watch it, right? But <laughs> This thing, and this thing where like people just watch and just oh here's my take here's what I'm gonna do here's my little quip it's like shut the fuck up anyway <laughs> sorry for my little uh, editorializing there uh back to the happy show so Road Warrior Hawk okay he's on the next page he's wearing one of his S and M vests <laughs> with all like pointy spikes coming out of it like if he gave you the snooker fly off the top you're gonna fucking die uh. But, but uh, this is Eddie Elner's off-the-top rope column, which is the best column. By the way, do you know who was giving the flying body press to who? You know what I mean, right? There's like this photo at the top of off-the-top rope where it's a guy giving a body press off the top onto someone else. Anyone? I, our show is, is it, very is, is, uh, is the guy fan-friendly. Giving the, is the guy, giving a, the guy giving the body press, is he wearing a mask? Oh fuck! I can't tell because a I'm old and blind. It, it might be Mill Maskers. That's Mascaris what I'm trying to think. I'm thinking, I'm thinking it's Mill Maskers. I'll have to go back and look, and I'll tell you later. But yeah, it's from the. It's it looks like it's from the Olympic Auditorium. That, yeah, that's like why I'm Olympic thinking it's Mill Maskers and somebody. Yeah. And he's wrestling a guy who looks like he's wearing like you. You will yeah. know what I mean. Pedro Morales tights, where it's like a tights, but then there's like a little line yeah, on yeah, the yeah, side. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. That's so funny. Oh, yeah. I knew you would know. Uh, but yeah, I never even thought about who it might have been. But uh, So this is Eddie Eleanor's column, and here's a poem. Uh, the Rock and Roll Express are NWA champs, but watching them gives me cramps. Take another look at the Rock and Roll Express. You would think that they wear a dress. <laughs> there it is. There it is, guys. This is why you listen to our show. Uh, wow. <laughs> holy shit. All right. Yeah, there it was. They don't, they don't, yeah, not a big fan of the, the R&R, apparently. Uh, so then they talk about how the Road Warriors lost their killer instinct, which I think they fucking said every single magazine for three years. Uh, but now I'm going to go to the rest of the article. <sighs> what else do we got here? Do you think scientists from another era will determine the cause of the Big Bang? What the fuck is any of this? Uh <laughs> Uh, it says, just as I ready my readers for the guillotine, along comes an intelligent, entertaining letter. Small wonder the author is from Holland. What Dimitri overlooks in his analysis is uh, the response men like Bruiser Brody, Stan Hansen, Paul Orndorff, Lex Luger would have could postpone the big kabang long enough to get their licks in. Wrestling might rid itself of wimps forever. The thought makes me faint with fantasy. Oh wow! Look at that. Uh, Eleanor enjoys his uh, his big bruisers. Uh, now, dear Eddie, how long do you think Roddy Piper's change of heart will last? And he says, "Dear Thurston, excuse me, Thurston. I think I just blinked. Is Roddy Piper still a hero? Oh, that's a good one. Uh, yeah. So that's Eddie Eleanor's column for that month." We're going to go now to the top 10 rankings, okay. Chris. All right. Should we 
All right. And we're not even going to do any of them. We're going to do who would beat who because I love yeah, this. Uh, World-class world number one is from Pampa, Texas. His name is Black Bart. The number one in Florida is Lex Luger from Chicago, Illinois. Who would you pick? Um, at this point in time, I, Luger's going to win because of who he is. But, you know, Bart was better at that point in time, for sure, as a wrestler. There you go. Look at that. Way to go, Bart. All right. Here we go for another one. Number four in world class, Lance Von Eric, number four in Florida. Kendall Oh, Windham. my God. That's a dream match. Uh, I'd go with Kendall Wyndham. All right, Kendall Wyndham, the human Q-tip, defeats Lance Von Eric. Uh, Mid-Southern. All right, we're going to go with – let me pick a good one here. Number eight, from Philadelphia, Mississippi, which always confused me as a child, Hillbilly Elmer. <laughs> and uh, so look at that. Between page like six and page 23, he went from giant hillbilly to hillbilly Elmer. Uh Hillbilly Elmer or number eight from Houston, Texas, the good Dr. Tom Pritchard. <laughs> I hate to say this as much as I love Doc. You know, he's he's looking up the lights against Hillbilly Elmer. <laughs> well, uh, and he, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Doc. You know, you're the winner of my heart, but no. All right. We've got the women's ranked. Ooh. This is a special one. They don't do this normally. How dare they? Uh, the women's rankings in PWI in October 1986. The <laughs> number one. Who you want to guess Fabulous who it is? Moolah. Fabulous Moolah is number oh, wow. four. Uh, so 86. Sherry. Yeah. Boom. AWA women's champion is number one. Could you guess who number two was? <laughs> I love that you sigh before you guess. Thank. Uh, Judy Martin. Who's my favorite? Who's your favorite? Uh, I'm trying to think. Who is your favorite? Misty, Misty Blue, Blue Sims. Oh, my God. Number... I thought you should have been number one. You said number two. Uh, yeah. Misty Blue Sims was the U.S. and IWF women's champion, whatever that means. Uh, number three was Wendy Richter. Number four, the aforementioned Fabulous Moolah. Number five, Linda Dallas, another one of my favorites. Uh, number six, Velvet McIntyre. Number seven, my very good longtime personal friend, Leilani Kai, who was the All Pacific Women's Champion. Love you, Leilani. Uh, number eight was uh, Candy Devine. Not a friend of mine. Uh, number nine, Comrade Orca, who I don't know who the fuck that is. And then number 10, Debbie Combs. Wow. So what you know Comrade about Comrade Orca, Orca worked, there, Chris? Uh, she worked a lot of the uh, the promotions. She she was just she was a, ran, a regular opponent for Misty Blue at times. And. Uh, she was affiliated. Remember Mad Dog Debbie? <laughs> I have no she idea. Who that Mad is, but okay, Debbie. Mad. Yeah. I mean, yeah, she was just a a heel women's wrestler that would travel around and you know do stuff. Wow. But yeah, Chris, I uh, I always had an affinity for Misty Blue. You were the only one. I don't, I've, I've never. <laughs> I I never saw her on TV. She'd just be in the magazines, and they'd play her up much like this as the number two woman in the world. And, I'd be, and she was like the NWA affiliated girl. Like AWA had women's wrestling and uh, WWF had women's wrestling. There was no fucking women's wrestling to be found in the NWA. Yeah, one of the famous so, uh, pro wrestling this week were, segments of that era was Gordon Soley interviewing Misty Blue in a bikini at uh, Poolside. And uh, yeah, he, he was very happy to do that interview. 
Yeah, even, even like pre hormones kicking in, Rob Naylor liked uh, Misty Blue. Now I have a yeah, whole new take and, on her. Bless and, her heart. And, you know, maybe you can get lucky and find the porn she did with Ron Jeremy. You gotta her, be kidding me. See, I oh yeah, then multiple pornos actually. So wait, Jesus Christ! So Misty Blue and Linda Dallas, her longtime wrestling rival, doubled well, up not on the, same the hedgehog time, Ron Jeremy. But uh, they 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 <laughs> they did uh yeah they did some porn. <laughs> Mine go. Uh, okay, so they both had different. Oh, Jesus Christ! Well, there that was. Uh, one of the wow. Was, one of the movies was some... Hellcat, if I'm not mistaken. And I'm try, trying to remember the other. Uh, one. With with Life Bait is my uh, favorite <laughs> name. So, okay, so now we change the page. Run away from the topic fast. So now what we got is wrestling analysis for every month. Behind the ratings, they give different ratings. You're going to love this. Uh, the Rock and Wrestling Connection is very strong, as evidenced by the amount of mail we got on top 10 ring entrance music. Number one, ELO's Rock and Roll is King. Number two, Rick Derringer's Real American. Number three, Black Sabbath's Iron Man. I've had that as my number one. but Number four, Pop and Circumstance, Macho Man. Number five, uh, Bad Street USA. Number six, Bob Seger's All-Time Rock and Roll, Dusty Rhodes. Seven's Easy Top Star Dress Man, Jimmy Garvin. Number eight, Born in the USA, U.S. Express. He's for now. Uh, number nine, one of my absolute favorites, Grab Them Cakes, Junkyard oh, yeah. Dog. <laughs> like he's saying it, actually. Uh, and then number 10, uh, Shot A, Smooth Operator. Now, we, we got to specify uh, here. On Dusty's uh, version of uh, Old Time Rock and Roll, he, it is the live version from the Nine to Nine album is the version that Dusty used that uh, Rock and Rolls would use in uh, Smoky Mountain. But yeah, that is the specific version. There is a difference. It is the best version of that song. Believe me. I uh, here we go. Uh, when Lori Bennett of Westminster, Texas, goes to the wrestling match, she probably asks for seats as close to the ring as possible so she can keep an eye on the top ten bottoms <laughs> in wrestling. <laughs> Oh, oh, I, oh, oh the yeah. top 10 bottoms in wrestling. Oh, boy, I could really make some jokes here. That's, that's, that's 15 minutes of material right there. <laughs> I'm, going, I'm going 10 down because number one's a shocker. Uh, number 10, Steve Simpson. Number nine, Lance Von Erich. Number eight, Ric Flair. Number seven, Chris Adams. Number six, Kevin Von Erich. Number five, Blade Runner Sting, which is a classic random one. Uh, number four, Road Warrior Hawk. Number three, Road Warrior Animal. So this lady picked uh, Animal's rear end over Hawks. Uh, number two, the Dingo Warrior. And number one, do you want to guess who that might be, Chris, or you can leave this one go? The number one ass. Uh, it's, it's, it's not going to be Carrie, is it? Michael oh, P.S. Yeah. Hayes. He had a, he had a dump there on it. Now, here's the thing. We're talking <laughs> about the top ten bottoms in wrestling. Again, I could go 15 minutes on this, but I'm not. Uh, <laughs> Steve Lombardi is probably going to be uh, like very high on the list. <laughs> if you catch my drift, but if 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 we had uh, our good friend uh, Ghost of Quinones on the show, oh, the show would go on for at least two. <laughs> but uh, I'm trying to uh, bottoms, uh, power bottoms or regulation bottoms. Uh, okay, so who, who, um, who do you, who would you say had? Oh, he'd, he'd have at least 20 minutes material on Joe no, no, I'm, no, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about the really the, the, the ass part now. Who 
who do, of, of male wrestlers, who, who would you say <laughs> had the, the best ass of a male wrestler? God, 86? <laughs> I wouldn't uh, say, say really. I was going to say all time. Oh, Jesus Christ. That's, uh, let me think. I mean, Yokozuna. Well, he had the biggest, he had the biggest ass. <laughs> It was, yeah, the most prominent ass. I, I would probably go with Yoko. Uh, Rick Rude was nice and taut. Uh, what else do we got? I don't know. I, I'd go with Yoko or Rick Rude. <laughs> How's that for a, a massive discre- um, discrepancy? Yeah, that's good. Um, Ron Simmons. <laughs> you didn't tell me if we could include women. I was just trying well, no, to be sexist. I'm going all that. So, Ron Simmons. Ron Simmons. You know, there you go. <laughs> have one like that. You had a plump ass. Uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's quite the, the ratings list there. I wouldn't expect that. that. <laughs> yeah, Ron Simmons, uh, I, ooh, 10 most abused referees. Oh. Uh, let's run from that topic, because now we got, we've got, the funny thing is, the winner of this actually uh, had to retire from abuse. Uh, number 10, Scott Ledoux. Number 9, Jerry Calhoun. 8, Rick Hazard. 7, Bill Alfonso. Six, David Manning. Five, Dick Worley. Four, Carl Fergie. Three, Dick Kroll. Two, Tommy Gilbert. And number one, Tommy Young. Yeah, Tommy, Tommy Young's going to gonna be- win, obviously. But, uh, yeah, Scott LaDouchin County, he's an actual wrestler. I mean, he's a guy who's a, fo- a, fo- a boxer and, and stuff like that. Yeah, he got abused, but come on. I mean, that. All right, two more of these because these are. Uh, this has been, despite the fact we're only on page 24, there's a lot in this magazine. Uh, Number the ten worst conditioned oh. wrestlers. Yeah, uh, number ten Kimala, which I didn't think he was in that bad shape. Uh, number nine Hillbilly Elmer. You can never really tell how out of shape he was either. Eight Cousin Luke, completely not worthy of the list. Seven Kareem Muhammad. I always thought Kareem was just a big guy. Uh, six Buddy Rose, two hundred seventeen pounds. Five Dusty Rhodes. How <laughs> dare they? Four. Andre the Giant, uh, pretty prominent uh, stomach at the time. Three, King Kong Bundy, the widest man ever the fucking walked the earth. Two, there you go. Two, Abdul the Butcher, more breasts than Frank <laughs> Purdue. And then number one, number one, we have got Adrian Adonis, who was pushing maximum density at the time. So there you go. Uh, okay, now, last, last thing we'll do. Top 10 best wrestling magazines. This is how they got us, Chris, because we'd read this and then we'd agree with them, like these magazines. Uh, shockingly enough, they're all from the Stanley um, I was Weston about to Company. Say, there's uh, no way that they acknowledge op- uh, opposing magazines. So I'm curious to see how they, how they filled this out. Number 10, Victory Sports Wrestling. Number 9, Wrestler Annual. It's like they basically saw what, what sold the least. Uh, number 8, PWI Annual. Number seven, PWI Super Color Special, which I think they – I'm surprised it's that low because I think they probably spent a lot of money on that one. Uh, number six, Wrestling Superstars. Bullshit. Uh, number five, Sports Review Wrestling. I'd have that way lower. Number four, Wrestling 86. I always did like that one. Uh, number three – now wait. Now one, two, and three. Where did Illustrated Wrestler and Inside Wrestling wind up, Chris? Personal shares number one. Uh, yeah, you're right. Uh, the wrestlers number two, inside wrestling three. Fuck, you're the man. You got it. Yeah, that's the only way it ended up being. All right. 
Hogan Hogan versus Orndorff, wrestling's hottest feud. Basically, just a bunch of pictures of uh, Hogan wrestling Paul Orndorff. Uh, it's they've got footage from the uh, the big show, the uh, big event. You can't really tell the crowd with any of these shots, but they got the really famous photo, which I'll put up for everybody on the internet, uh, of Hogan pile driving Orndorff and Bobby Heenan hitting him with like a boxing stool, like the little stool. That's that's a cool photo. Where do you put Orndorff on the Hogan opponents list, Chris? Um, number two behind Savage. Wow. See, I was gonna tell you, he's pretty number high two on behind my. Savage uh, goes to the Monday my... Drew, man. They, I mean, they, they, they killed it. I mean, Hogan, Hogan, Andre. I would put three, but, but just because of the matches, Hogan Orndorff had better matches. And, and that, that's the only reason why. But Hogan Savage, number one, Hogan Orndorff, two, Hogan Andre, three. That's my three. Yeah, I think Hogan Orndorff really doesn't get its proper due, uh, maybe amongst people like us. But a lot of times on the retrospectives you see on WWF, you don't really hear that talked about as much as Hogan feud. But uh, that was the one. That was one of the first turns I ever saw, so it was super effective. And uh, it's weird. It feels like that was like everybody's first turn that they it was saw. The la- it was like, the last I know- time, really, that Hulk Hogan came off as a human being, <laughs> not Hulk Hogan, the cartoon character. Do you remember like the video montage that they did where Vince was in the gym with Hogan? And they were going over the video montage of all the events that led up to the turn and Hogan's promo. That's one of the best promos he ever gave in his life. And that that feud was like the last real genuine time the whole Kogan came off as a human. Yeah, and it also came across as like a tangible wrestling program. Because like even the call when Hogan's on the phone trying to get a hold of him, it's he's in like this wooden paneled room in Hamburg, you know, and it's it's so cool. I, I, I love it. Uh, but yeah, that was that was a hell of a feud. And then Orndorff would come out to Hogan's song, and oh, it was just it was just the best. I remember that match. Uh, when turned on Hogan, and then uh, Flair turned on Dusty a little bit prior to that. I oh, think. well, but those were like the first three. Re- like, you know, God. Uh, um, my, God. I, my, my time Flair runs turned together, on Dusty I suppose. In but, September 85, and then uh, uh, the, then uh, Orndorff turned on Hogan in June, July 86. There you go. Uh, the press conference is with Magnum TA. Uh, they're talking about so the, obviously uh, this was before the wreck. This is right before the wreck. Uh, I think it was in the middle of the series. What's the uh, date on the see. What's the date on the ratings? Yeah. That way I can tell. One second. Yeah, that way I'll know when that because that's usually the date they pretty much. Oh, October sixth, yeah, nineteen eighty-six. A week before the crash. Wow. Yeah, because he says something here where the 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 series took a toll on me, and uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. But yeah, he looks like a total heel. <laughs> like every picture they have of Magnum, he looks angry. Which I think Cornette mentioned something well, about Magnum this had, once. Yeah, where Magnum had that look. Ma- yeah. But like he, the mustache always made it look like he's frowning, <laughs> which is so true. <laughs> which I love what Cornette said that because that's accurate. Like he did always look like he was frowning. But uh, he was just a badass, intense brooding. guy, which he was, is cool. What they call brooding. You you remember when, remember when Twilight was out and they were talking about how you know Robert Pattinson he's brooding and guys like that. Yeah, Magnum was one of those guys. He was brooding. Magnum TA was yeah. brooding. Now, PWI's 
who is the best in the UWF tournament? And basically, uh, it's a rare, you know, partnership between the magazine and the federation. Uh, who's the best? And now, Chris, I'm about to cry because apparently, when I ripped out the picture of Macho Man Randy Savage and Elizabeth, it ripped out two other pages too. <laughs> so I have basically PWI's fifty thousand. Who's the best? And then two pages missing. And then it goes on to like Dusty and Baby Doll. So let me read what the Dusty and Baby Doll story is. One second, we'll figure this out, guys. Uh, what the f- oh, World Championship Wrestling Confidential. Baby Doll tells all. So then she she has a little thing too. But we'll discuss me, who's in the tournament. I, 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 I can no, go on no recording. Give just, just talk for a few seconds. I'm about to go grab the magazine. I know where it's at. I know where I can get it really quick. Oh, sweet. Right. Thanks, buddy. All right, I'm gonna keep talking while he gets right. the magazine. All right. So why why he goes? What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna read you guys who is on the cover of the magazine. It was Buddy Roberts, Michael Hayes, Terry Gordy. So we got three freebirds in the tournament. We got one man gang who's unaffiliated with anyone. He's in Skandar Akbar. And then you got Terry Taylor, Ted DiBiase, and Dr. Death Steve Williams. So you've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven competitors. Uh, What page are we missing? uh, We are missing. uh, Okay, so on 32, I don't have 33. All right, so 33 basically is. it's pictures of the UWF guys, all the major names, and it talks. It goes over uh, how Bill Watts, Kim Mantel, they met up with P- Peter King and Bill After for a solid week to organize a tournament, and how they set it up in Houston. It would begin in Houston on Halloween night, and then end in Houston December twelfth. Seven weeks, different sites throughout the country, single elimination, fifty thousand dollar tournament. Uh, that's 33. What about 34? Real quick before you get into that, it's interesting to me that that would have been the second tournament in Houston within like a span yeah, the, of a the, month. The, the UWF Heavyweight title tournament was in June. And then so – so oh, I thought September. I thought no, it, was it was in September. Okay. June, and this is in September. So yeah, I mean I mean starting October. So yeah, it's only four months. Well, anyone that might be listening to our show from WWE <laughs> – I want the tournament, the Gordy one, in June, like Chris said, not the one in September. Well, they, Fuck that they tournament. Have, they I have want, that stuff. Yeah, I, I never thought it would actually happen. Like, I remember a couple of years ago, I'm like, like three years ago, I'm like, they need to get it up. All right, and I'm just like, oh, they got to get that tournament on. And I remember Jim Ross liked it. I'm like, fuck yeah, Jim Ross, you know too. It's going to be cool. And then I just figured, oh, it'll never happen because they'll never put anything up there without commentary. So, I mean, so are you, nah, are you missing them on 34? Uh, yeah, I don't have 34, 35, 36, 37. Oh, my goodness. 38. You don't have all of them? So yeah. where do you begin? I'm looking – okay, so I'm oh, sorry shit. for right, picking here, well, here, here, listen. My magazine ends at 34 and begins again at 39. Okay, cool, because the, the centerfold was four pages. There you go. So Okay, so I have – I don't have 33. So if you flip it to 34, what's it's on 34? Got, it's got to run down the names of uh, the guys in there, and it's got the story behind the cover. Okay, which we know about. And it's, got the, ba- it's got the other every- cover photo with Chris Adams, Gordy, Sting, and Gang, just those four, with Sting holding the trophy and Adams pointing to it. Oh, my God, I remember that. Actually, take a picture of that because we'll put that in there. I like the other cover photo. So, yeah, these photos must have been out of my magazine for a long, long time because uh, I do remember the other cover. 
But yeah, I like the way like uh, they tell the story of how kayfabe wasn't broken and everyone. Just yeah, they got all kind of quotes from guys, you know, about it. So then you got the color pinup, and then you have the baby doll story. Correct? Uh, my pinup's gone too. That's <laughs> odd, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, we just love Macho well, I mean, I, I, no, this magazine, uh, so that, I, I just got this magazine in the mail. I think I have another version, though. But I, I just got this magazine in the mail, thanks to our dear friend Roy Lucier. And uh, I think I have a, another version of this magazine somewhere, though. But this is the one I got to first. So. Well, thank you, Roy, as always, for listening. Yeah, you sure. are the man. He'd be someone we could actually oh, have on yes, here. Oh, yes, absolutely. He would duel with both of us about all this yeah. stuff, for sure. Uh, so now, Baby Doll... Her intimate, uh, confidential. Uh, there's a photo of her and Dusty Rhodes on page 41 where she looks like Ozzy Osbourne. <laughs> <laughs> like, see, now just for them, the fact that Chris laughed so much, guys, I'm right. He does. Like, she totally looks like Ozzy Osbourne. They really changed her hair up in this era. They really were trying to make her look like she was, you know, a hair metal chick at one point in time. And then she got, it, they, they, they cut it down to, and uh, eventually she just had, you know, regular hair, well, regular long hair, blah, 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 blah. And, uh, yeah. But, yeah, there was a point in time early, 86, late 85, where she would have that hair, yeah. I like this quote. I would like Dusty Rhodes to wrestle the warlord during the 1987 Great American Bash. That is, if that toad is brave enough to step through the ropes with my man. <laughs> <Fantastic>. <laughs> Baby doll Ric Flair. I don't know if I don't know if me and you've talked about this before on the show. What are your what are your thoughts on that short lived uh relationship? I guess I liked it. Uh I it's one of those things where as a child we're almost learning not to trust women through wrestling, <laughs> which I think is so shitty. No, it really is shitty. It's not good. Like I have no trust issues with women, but I will say I at the time thought, man, fuck her. Like, what a bitch. Like she Dusty helped her after Tully smacked her, and then she just turned on Dusty. You know what I mean? So like, it, it, thank God Precious was so cool. So you know, but Baby Doll literally gave me like a bad uh, a bad take on women because she was literally like the only woman presented pretty regularly in wrestling at the time. Like Elizabeth was too, but she was like sugar spice Dusty, and everything nice. So she was just like macho man. So then you're like, well, why? Yeah, Jezebel. She's like, well, why is Elizabeth with this dickhead of a guy? Like, what the fuck's wrong with her? And then, like, Precious was always cool. Precious, out of all of them, seemed like, if we're looking at it through 2019 eyes, Precious is, like, the only one that was kind of, like, portrayed in a, a positive manner, whereas, like, she basically was this cool chick that was with Jimmy Garvin. Okay, she kind of was submissive and took care of Jimmy Garvin, but at the same time, well, she's, she like, was a tough chick. She was like, with the, with the spray, spray. Yeah, you know? Yeah, she was cool, and, like, Precious is – she's all the way lost, uh, they'd say, on the other channel. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I like I like Precious a lot. Channel, listen to me. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Precious was cool. Baby Doll, I never had – like, I really thought it was cool when she knocked out Bobby Eaton. And the funny thing is, Chris, until you gave me uh, the tape of it or the DVD of it, I hadn't seen that. Really? Like, when I was a little kid – when when I, me and my dad or my sister and mom had to go out anywhere, I would put a tape recorder next to the TV because we didn't have a VCR until like 88. So I would tape record wrestling. So I would come back to the house and I would play the cassette tape of what happened. And like I played that cassette tape of Jim 
Crockett going nuts when Baby Doll KO'd Bobby E. And then at first I thought she knocked out Big Bubba because he kept yelling, Bubba, you know, and then, but no, he knocked out or she knocked out Bobby E. And it was just like so crazy because you remember how the heat was, mm-hmm. right? So the heat was just so crazy. Uh, you really wish that would come back. Like I'm on my way to Philly in two days uh, for the AEW show, and I'm hearing really good things about live shows with them. So God, I'm hoping it's like like not like it used to be because it can't be, but like I hope it's close. You know what I mean? So it's but that crowd heat in that era in those little gyms in the NWA. Nothing like it, right? <laughs> oh man, '86 in general. I mean, I mean, you look at the Crockett TV crowds. You look at the UWF crowds. You look at, uh, you know, the crowds at Continental. I mean, I mean, Memphis television crowds. I mean, it's everywhere. I mean, WWF had great crowds in '86 as well. I mean, it's everywhere. The Las Vegas AWA crowds. I mean, there were some hot AWA tapings in Las Vegas, man. I mean, just great stuff. Yeah. That- Rockers and yes. Buddy Rose and Doug Summers. Right. One, one of you know one of our favorite years in wrestling history. Where was the first time you heard the oof? Uh, that would be Crockett Television. Because I heard oof uh, to the uninitiated. What we're talking about is when a good guy does his comeback and hits a bad guy, and the fans just go oof. Oof. Every time they hit, and it sounds kind of stupid, me just doing it, but like, I swear to God, it would pump me up so much when they would have it back in like the mid 80s. And I don't remember when the oof went away. And anyone who's listening to this, you're going to think it's the stupidest it conversation happens, ever. You're going to get but it. It happens. It's a Southern thing, and it depends on where you're at. Like, uh, the Rest America, the Rest America, Rest America shows here will happen. Yep. Okay, I'm talking like oh on television god, uh, that would have been in probably the 90s. WCW. Okay, yeah, because I. So you're telling me Wrestle America has oofs and I've never heard them at any like I believe you if you're telling me they do oofs. I wish I could go to a Wrestle America show again because <laughs> I went to like three or four. Dude, we and got a like, tar and feathering match coming up in November. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, I love living vicariously through Zellner <laughs> because like he goes to all these shows with Fry Daddy and all these other Titan fucking Dane. people. I love it. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I went to a show in Atlanta. Uh Priscilla was on it, obviously, and Priscilla wrestled on the show. And then after her match, we just kind of sat up on the bleachers and watched some of the show. And I remember it had to have been five hundred degrees in that fucking building. It was fucking dreadful like it made that building that <laughs> it made that evolved show or what was that a progress show it made that progress show in new york seem like a that show was a, in iceland that was a show it was Griffin, unbe- right at the old school the yeah there you go so you know more than i yeah yeah the old like what's his name is it jack's not jack's dane i forget what the guy's name is but like uh <sighs> jack's dane worked that yeah i probably. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's a, it's a, oh, Tyson Dean. It's like a super southern, yeah. So it was a Tyson Dean show, and I just remember thinking, oh man, this is the hottest show <laughs> I've ever been to in my entire life. <laughs> like I didn't know it could get that way. And like Georgia, I, I never felt Georgia was hotter than Florida was, but that building was the hottest building I've ever been in my life. <laughs> I think I chugged like 25 waters that day. And Tommy Rich was there too. So bless Tommy. He stayed at least, at least the fourth match, but I was like, Holy fuck, man. But yeah, God bless Georgia Amen. wrestling guys. They, they, they keeping the oof alive, man. Oof. 
Uh, okay, so I'm flipping the page now. We're going to go to the scouting report. All right, this is a really good scouting report, Chris. If you have the magazine, yeah, I had the magazine spoiled, open, actually. Yes. Uh, so we got Brad Armstrong, the Iron Cheek, Ole Anderson right next to his nemesis, Lanny Poffo. And then you've got Sting and, uh, and Steve Simpson at the top. And Chris, I swear to God, all I can do is look down at Lanny Poffo and Ole next to each other and hear Lanny Poffo going, So, Ole, how's my used <laughs> pussy? <laughs> Well, Ole Anderson gave Randy Savage the Randy Savage name. (laughs) Yeah, and I remember, uh, I think uh, Meltzer told Cornette that on one of those Wrestling Gold DVDs. I don't even think Cornette knew that, but uh, something really funny about that Lanny Poffo used pussy line with Ole Anderson was like, I'm watching this interview back in the day, right? And it's Lanny Poffo, so he's very articulate and and well-spoken and super clean for a shoot interview, you know? So it's like, oh, this is nice. E, good job. Ooh, that's nice. Good times. What a nice story. And, like, everything's all positive and happy. And then when he dropped that line, I was like, holy fuck. This, this, this thing got pretty crazy pretty fast. And then, like, the shoot interviews he's done since, let's face it, they're out of control. But at the time, was, like, he's telling poems that he tells kids and, and he's like, oh, yeah, well, uh, hey, Ole Anderson, how's my – how's the used <laughs> pussy? And I'm like, oh, my god. It's like the most vulgar thing I think I've ever heard on a shoot interview out of Lanny Papa. But uh, he didn't talk about his party <laughs> trick in the first shoot interview, thank God. Uh, so, <laughs> so, okay, we're going to get to the, the athletes. Uh, Brad Armstrong, this is the best look Brad Armstrong ever had in this magazine. Looks cool as shit. Looks jacked. Six feet tall. 226, Marietta, Georgia. Yeah, and number nine in world championship. Uh, Leg strength, training, improvement. Has injuries, opposition, and slow starter, it says here. Uh, Yeah, Brad was the man, dude. He's he's awesome. Right around this time when he came to the NWA area. You know, how good was Brad? I thought, I remember they did an, uh, they had, I think they did an angle on TV with him and Flair. Brad was uh, they were giving him a Brad, push there for Brad, a second. Tommy Rich and you know wrestling too. That was my childhood heroes, man. I mean, that, as far as like wrestlers, I mean, they were they were the three guys. And then of course, you know, Dusty and you know, I became a fan of all the Crockett guys as well. But I mean, yeah, Brad, Tommy Rich, wrestling too. They just had that. These are our guys because they were Georgia Georgia legends in a way. Bob as well. I mean, these are our guys. It's like our home team. You know, and uh, I always love Brad Armstrong forever and ever and ever. Yeah, he's the man. And then we got the Iron Sheik from Tehran, Iran. Uh, he's uh, got a magnificent amateur background. Uh, suplexes, very true. Sheik's uh, very underrated when it comes to throwing suplexes in the mid-80s. Uh, upper body and upper arm strength. Uh, stale style as a weakness. Psyched out weakness. Unnecessary overdependence on rule breaking <laughs> methods. Jesus Christ. That's a long verbose way of saying something, I think. Uh, he was a superb wrestler, but should not need to break well, they're saying rules. About stale, Don't be a rule. Yeah, didn't mention this. They're basically saying he's team of Volkov too damn long. That's what it is. Yeah. So. Uh, what was. I like Nikolai Volkov. Uh, <laughs> I uh, used him today in a tweet. Uh, talking about a match at Boris Zukov. Just because, like, 
I think that's the match I've seen where, like, the absolute... I don't think there was a bump in the match from anyone. <laughs> and, like, if anything, like, I just think it was, like, a double disqualification or something. But, uh, I don't know, man. I think Volkov, like, Volkov as an opponent for Hulk was cool. Volkov had a couple good ones where he beat the shit out of Corporal Kirshner that I enjoyed. I like that little spinning kick, but uh, bigger sheet guy than Volkov guy. Um, they each, I mean, they had their, each had their moments. Uh, Volkov, Volkov was his <laughs> best to me when he worked for Watts and uh, worked in Georgia there right before WF. He was really strong. Have you ever seen him take a flat back bump? Not, not that I can remember. <laughs> Yeah, because I, I sometimes I like to make stupid lists in my head that only I would care about, and like one of them was like, who in wrestling has? Because someone the other day is like, John Nord's one of the few wrestlers to never hold any title, so you know that got me thinking for at least fucking an hour. <laughs> so because they're like, oh, who else could ever never won any title? John Nord wouldn't he had to be a tag champion? No, him and him and Norton never won the tag titles. No, holy shit! No, the Yukon. Jacks were not no, so like he's he's a good one, you know, and and that came from someone who never had like small territory because even small territories count. So like nowadays with indies, barely can like everyone gets a belt. But old school, it's interesting to think who never had one. Like Jake had Georgia well, belts. Jake, Jake you know? was a, he was he was a North American champion for Watts, a Mid South Television champion for Watts. He was a one. Oh. He was one third of the world class six man tag champions with Gino and, and Chris and. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Numerous but titles. The non flatbackers, I gotta think, Hacksaw Duggan. Uh he always took the rolling bumps. Not saying anything's wrong with it, just noticeable. Uh Nikolai Volkov. Yeah. Big John Stud took body slam, so he counts. He's good. Uh Johnny Gonzalez. Zeus took a body slam. That's a flat back of sorts. Uh <laughs> it's an interesting question. I, I, because I mean, it's just one of those things where you think of guys who took rolling bumps and why. And if say they had to, great. You know, it's preserving their body. It's awesome. But it's interesting coming from seeing people train and take like goddamn 160 flatbacks a day. It's just always interesting to me to like watch guys in that era wrestle and not take any. It's like, and uh, let's face it, the ring was goddamn Chinese arithmetic level. So, uh, next guy up, Sting from Parts Unknown. Uh, one year as a pro. His power is a strength. His ability to absorb punishment is a strength. And he has an even temper, they say. Uh, lack of scientific skill. There's that scientific word we all love. Uh, still a sucker for a smart counter wrestler. What? Power can take him a long way, but his moves are primitive. Mm hmm. Uh, tag team specialist is a weakness. Was trained for tag team and is ill-equipped for the rigors of singles. I like that. That's a smart one. <laughs> That's one that if I came up with, I'd be proud of it. I like the paint Sting's got going on here too because it's kind of like this unique design. It looks like the line is down the middle of his face, which is cool. And he's jacked. Uh, yeah, he's jacked as shit here. He's probably as jacked as, as you're going to find Sting. Uh, Steve Simpson from uh, Johannesburg, South Africa. Strength uh, hair. <laughs> strength hair indeed. Uh, pretty boy image is his strength. Oh, Looks you, like a rock you, star. And if you've also but. ever seen that video of him in World Class where they showed him on the boat, you remember that video where he's on the boat with a girl? I, and, I and just his, saw uh, one, Chris. In his bikini, yeah. bikini tights. 
he's got he's got another strength. Oh, no. uh, <laughs> Steve Simpson with the you banana hammock. Uh, so best bottom. So okay. So uh, well schooled, excellent aerial school skills, and pretty boy image. His weaknesses is he's too nice. He's too light, which he'd probably be the heaviest guy in most federations now. And then long hair. Terrible. Get a haircut, Steve, which is great. They literally say get a haircut. Uh, and then they go over his his time. I really like Steve Simpson, just oh, as an aside. I, I thought he was so wrestling. Yeah, I think if he stayed with wrestling, he'd have been a, a bigger star. Even uh, more of a pretty boy than Steve, too. Yeah, they looked like who's that guy who's saying the final uh, countdown? The, 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 the uh, Europe was the group, the singer sing Europe. Yeah, it was like twin Europe's, like <laughs> twin. Uh, Le- that guy. I, I was you also know uh, throw in maybe a Leaf Garrett as well. Leaf Garrett, John Bon John Jovi. John Bon Jovi, uh, yes, in this era, oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah that the was that was what they they had Lion. going. Oh yeah, I love that's a wonderful band. All the white bands. The, wow, that sounded racist. David Coverdale, <laughs> like, white, white snake there too at this point. Huh? Yeah. Yeah, white snake, white lion. You know what I mean. Uh, so okay, Ole Anderson is from Minneapolis. He's a feared awesome. opponent. He's methodical, yeah. and he's an outstanding tag wrestler. So we didn't like that. Uh, Sting's a tag specialist. Notice the shirt he's wearing. He's this trainer. That's a Georgia Championship Wrestling shirt. That's fucking awesome. Oh yeah, you're right. He's putting up his his fists. He's ready to fight. Probably ready to fight Lanny Poffo right mm-hmm. next to him. And then uh, his weaknesses are strength, speed, and dusty <laughs> roads. Which is, that's a unique weakness. Uh, the single-minded obsession with running Dusty out of wrestling puts limits on his time. I lo- but I love yeah. that, though, because I mean, Dusty and Ole's feud lasted years. They went through multiple promotions. But it was always there. I mean, the Ole's obsession was always to get rid of Dusty Rhodes. No doubt. Now, here we go. Here's what the people came for. Lanny Poffo from Downers Grove, Illinois. His picture uh, was from about five years earlier. <laughs> yeah, his picture is not the Leaping Lanny era we remember. Uh, superb agility and gymnastic balance. Former gymnast knows how to get around the ring. Deceptively strong, not as strong as his brother, Randy Savage. Ooh, they never said that on TV. He occasionally overpowers his opponent. He spars extensively and privately with his brother. Oh, wait, with his brother, which has made him a more well-rounded wrestler. All right, I, I, I spoke too soon there. Uh, size, trying to well, bulk Well, you know up. what that's about. You, know, you, you, you get the reference there. Remember, remember the yes. magazine they did where they had brother versus brother in the empty Mid-South Coliseum where Lawler was a referee? They did Savage versus Poffo. This is eight, late 84. So it had been in one of the early 85 magazines, and Lawler was the referee. It was the empty arena. I don't even I, – I not only don't know about this, but I've never even yeah, heard it, of this. It was, it was, wow, it was that's... the same for the magazines. They all took pictures and all that stuff. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So that's where that's coming from, privately. That's a pretty cool get for the magazines, though, to have like an exclusive angle that isn't mentioned on TV. Lawler, that's cool. If I remember correctly, Lawler's refereeing wearing a Frozen Illustrated shirt. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Uh, so uh, negatives <coughs> on Lanny Poffo size. What size you talking about? <laughs> oh. Jesus H Christ! Yes, it's uh, yes. Yeah, <laughs> he also sings a limerick on his uh, kayfabe commentaries thing, which uh, <laughs> if you ever heard 
Lanny Poffo seeing the once from uh, man Nan once knew a man from Man yeah. Nantucket uh, jingle. You you never forget that. Once that's in your brain, it's all over. Uh, <laughs> if my knee were a cunt, I would fuck it. This exact words out of him. I was like, oh my god, Lanny, what are you doing? Uh, reverse flip off the buckles is spectacular, but mildly effective. Far too dangerous and off his oh, backfire. So there that is. Oh yeah, my God, they'd hate to see wrestling these days. Uh, Lax Killer Instinct uh, might have something to do with his love for poetry. <laughs> All right, needs to toughen up, especially when he has an edge. There's all that. Uh, turning the page for the good of wrestling, Scott Hall must shut Colonel De Beer's mouth. Big Scott Hall hitting the big bulldog here. The on, steroid uh, abuse of Scott Hall, according to Colonel De Beers. Oh, what a motherfucker! Oh, there's literally. Yeah, some... I was gonna say, are you gonna read the De Beers quotes? <laughs> I mean, there's literally some. I don't want to read anything. There's literally some things <laughs> written in this magazine which I can't but, but even say thing, out loud. Um, you notice they never put an author's name to this article because you know that the author <laughs> would definitely gotten some shit because you know they did this. As, oh, they did this as Mister as as in Carmen De Beers said this stuff. I'll read it because I don't I don't care about. But anyway, this is what the Pro Wrestling Illustrated put in there, and and again, this is supposed to be Colonel De Beers talking. Colonel De Beers is the, yeah. So imagine us as kids reading this shit. But All yeah, go black ahead. people. They are neither man nor beast, but something in between. They lack the brains to function in society, and therefore are virtually useless to society. When given any rights at all, they abuse them and ask for more. They are never satisfied. I am not saying that we should eliminate the Negro race, but they should be kept under control like animals in a zoo. Yeah, who wrote who wrote this? <laughs> That's like, I mean, holy fuck. Like, when I saw that was even in here, I'm like, Yo, okay. It's, and like, he would say similar he shit on would, TV, right? He, I don't, I don't even like, think he went this far. Yeah, this is pretty rough. Uh, but it's one of those things where, God, he was an effective Some, heel, though. Yeah, like, as a little oh, yeah, kid. Yeah, yeah, and you're a guy, you're like, what a fucking piece of shit prick. Oh, yeah. Like, you can't you can't do this. You, I hate now, it. Now, you couldn't have really, done it then. But at the same time, it's like when they have that asshole on Howard Stern, the KKK Daniel guy. Daniel Carver. I don't know if you watch Howard Stern. Yeah, it's like Daniel Carver, okay? It's this fucking idiot who basically says these horrifying, abrasive, racist things. And it's just like you hear it and you can't believe what you're hearing. But at the same time, you're just such a dislikable human being. But like <laughs> I literally – as you're reading this, I'm like I've got Daniel Carver in my head. I'm like, holy fuck. This is like crazy. Yeah, it makes you wonder who, who, which writer for, uh, for this magazine had these issues with, with, with black people. Obviously, somebody did. Someone may have, or someone just may have, uh, may have, you know, known how the beer's True, character but still, was. But still, you know? but still. Yeah, it's pretty fucking heavy, yeah. But it's, uh, wow. And it's the thing is, it's about Scott Hall. <laughs> like, they just basically have him talking about South Africa, the United States, uh, the U.S. Started to lose power and respect around the time of the conclusion of the Civil War. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, this is brutal. 
So he's uh, he's all over this thing. So then basically they go from all that crazy hate speech onto like this feud with Scott Hall. And uh, this, sadly, was where I learned wrestling was fake. Uh, when he posted Scott Hall, when uh, Henning and Henning and uh, Hall lost the belts to Doug Summers and Buddy Rose, yeah. correct? Yeah. So when, when dude hit Hall's head on the pub, Hall went down. Our fucking neighbor came over, older guy, and he's like, oh, yeah, look, you could see him pulling out the razor blade, and I didn't oh. see no razor blade. And, like, he did kind of see it on the re- – I was like, you motherfucker. So that was kind of when everything got ruined. Thanks, Colonel DeBeers, you <laughs> fucking racist. So, yeah, uh, Colonel DeBeers ruined everything. My neighbor, he got the – you know, we'll give him the, uh, the assist. But, yeah, fuck. Now, here's one. This month in The Wrestler, and it's – I used to love this, where they tell you the other magazines yeah. out of the month. And it's got uh, Bobby Heenan, but uh, Matt Bourne and Buzz Sawyer picture, how they're going to reign supreme. Tell you what, Chris, if they both were complete fucking psychopaths outside the ring and they actually got along with each other, that could have been a fucking real good team, dude. They were real good, even they, even with the problems. Well, yeah, they were really good for that yeah. They were legit too. Who's six gonna fight those two guys? <laughs> no yeah. way. I think I think they had some really good matches too against each other. Uh, introducing the Warlord. Oh look at this! A controversial Q and A with Colonel Beers. You don't fucking say. Really? <laughs> what <the> hell? <laughs> Jesus Christ! How much? Maybe that same writer had a little fucking extra from this article, Lord. right? Jesus Christmas. Ted DiBiase's paralyzing fear. I know I will die in the ring. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. Lost his career in the ring, taking that buckle. Yeah. So look at that. Holy shit! This is this is fucking heavy. Uh, the next one we've got Rick Rude telling Ric Flair, "I'm coming to get you." Uh, Roddy Piper, the new Roddy Piper. The fans love him. If they look closely, they'll find out they should still hate him. Wow, there you go. Uh, can Magnum TA survive the true test of a man and battle back from failure? Really shit, the timing of this. Uh, watch out, world. Here comes Bam Bam Bigelow. More yeah. crusher at your call. Exclusive uh, hot seat interview with Terry Taylor. I'll, uh, yeah, I got to make sure I look at that. Uh, and then uh, Nick Bockwinkle and Stan Hansen square off one-on-one, where they basically put pictures of each other and yell at each other across the magazine. They should do uh, Ole Anderson, not Lanny Poffa, one of those. Uh, okay, so the next page, <laughs> Superstar Wrestling Game. I wanted this game. And, uh, yeah, I, I didn't ever want it, I don't think. It intrigued me, but there wasn't enough pictures of wrestlers in it. It was too much reading for me as a stupid See, I, 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 so. I, I was a big reader in this era. So. Yeah. I was an avid reader. And if you look here, the, with the stories you could get, I mean, there's none in Georgia. Pennsylvania, you had Philly, uh, King of Prussia, Pittsburgh, Willow Grove, uh, and Allentown. Holy shit, yeah. Wow, I could have gone to King of Prussia and at the Valley Forge. Complete uh, Valley strategist Forge, uh, in, in Valley Forge Mall. Yep. <laughs> Holy shit, man. Look at that. There's pictures of the Rockers. I think we went yeah. through that earlier. Oh, yeah, I might, have, I might have ruined it by going through all the. Oh, here we go. We'll go to page uh, page 55. I love that picture of Black Bar on 51, though. Oh, yeah, Black Bar's fucking tremendous. So look at these old magazines or old uh, tapes. 
There's a Hulk Hogan tape, Greatest Matches tape, and a WrestleMania highlights tape. Each one of these motherfuckers is twenty four bucks. Yes, two dollars in handling. Uh, if you want them all, it's a cool sixty three ninety five. <clears throat> Greatest Matches: Macho Man beats Tito for the belt. Hammer Valentine and Beefcake against Uncle Elmer and Hillbilly Jim. Greatest matches indeed. Uh, then we've got Hogan and Orndorff announced by Monsoon and Jesse, which sells it for me. And then uh, Bob Backlund against the, the goddamn Iron Sheik with the Ayatollah of Blassie at ringside, which is the title loss. Oh, that's a pretty good tape. Yeah, but you're, you're, I like yeah, the you're, greatest yeah, matches. Yeah, I just have that. Uh, you're looking at these two, three tapes, so. They're probably about an hour and a half a tape, so you're looking at about four and a half hours total of these three tapes for sixty-five bucks. Chris, read. Forty-five Each minutes. Tape runs forty. Sorry. Even worse. So yeah, huh? yeah, yeah. I just read it. Thirty-five minutes. It. It's like so holy two, shit. Two hours, fifteen minutes. Okay, so guys, forty-five minutes of Uncle Elmer and uh, Hillbilly Jim in a match with Beefcake and Valentine, and it's twenty-four bucks. Now, please, everyone, just sit back and uh, look at your options right now, and just be a little less shitty and just appreciate I'm some of the things out there. Of this match, and it comes off like a, like one of those YouTube comments. Elmer lifts Valentine ten feet in the air with a muskrat chokehold. Jim captures Brutus in a grizzly bear hug. An interfering luscious Johnny Valiant is turned into a cowering milk sap. Mayhem ensues. Mm. Holy shit, that is kind of uh, alluring to some. Oh my god, a cowering milk sap. What the fuck is that? See, I don't even know any of these things mean. But the, the muskrat chokehold, they never, never call it that. This is bullshit. Yeah, this is, uh, I don't know, this is maybe uh, maybe whoever was doing the uh, apartment wrestling had some excess words <laughs> uh, and adjectives to use. All right, we're going to flip the page now. We got Mean Gene and Bill Watts flanking one another in photos. Uh, mean Gene is going to be set up as a fall guy of TNT. Oh, no, TNT's canceled. Oh, that sucks. I didn't realize it was canceled that soon. I thought it lasted longer, but I guess not. Um, you, there's something here we got We got to mention. Silo Sam, knows Big John Harris, is ready to make his AWA debut. The seven foot eight, four hundred fifty pound wrestler, perhaps best known for his cameo appearance in the motion picture Pee Wee's Big Adventure, who appeared mostly in Battle Royale matches. I think I can do really well," said Silo Sam, and then getting him an early age. It's going to awful be tough to throw a guy like as big as me out of the ring. Silo <laughs> Sam, find that single match <laughs> network. Uh, find this one too, by the way. Big Bubba, not to be confused with Jim Cornette's bodyguard. This is, of course, uh, my main man, uh, Uncle Mr., Fred, uh, superstar, superstar Bubba, Uncle Fred Ottman. Uh, father of Berkeley, the man. Uh, Big Bubba is the new Mid-Southern International Champion, formerly known as Siegfried in Texas All-Star Wrestling. That's not in the magazine. I'm just telling you that. Uh, Big Bubba defeated Pat Tanaka in the final in the tournament. Fuck, that would probably be so badass. I wonder if Pat Tanaka took a fucking backdrop. From six foot <laughs> I ten know Big he Bubba. did. <laughs> uh, Pat Tanaka, man. Oh, there's Spike Johnson, yes, by the way. Yes, it is Spike Johnson. Uh, Spike Johnson was he a drug dealer? <laughs> I know he was. Uh, but, he, uh, he, he, he was he it, was Brian Carr before Brian Carr, I think. <laughs> yeah, I didn't mean to ask it like that, but I've I've heard of allegations allegedly that he may or may not have been brought yeah, into uh, yeah get some candy for the boys. Uh, so I don't know that might not be it true. Could have been. I've heard that he sold a lot from Mike Bonner. Anyway, uh, so Rip Oliver regained the Pacific Northwest Bell from Coco Samoa. 
And he said, I said I was going to do it, and I did it. Oh, good good quote there. So then uh, the fabulous ones are irate over the NWA U.S. champion held by uh, Yeah, because they're Koloff your champion in Florida. <laughs> yep. yep, there's some damn nerve. There you go. We're the U.S. champs. Now, look at that. Maybe Steve was supposed to come in. Didn't come in. Interesting. It's funny because as you look at this, when they vacated the belts, fucking Stan Lane and Bobby won them, well, I think. What, well, here, no, they? here's what they did. They ba- they changed the name of the belts oh. in Florida. They changed it to the Florida Tag Titles. Okay. But what I'm saying is, didn't Ivan and Crusher end up vacating the belts and wasn't there a tournament? Uh, no, How they won a work? tournament. For the, for the new oh, yeah, they beat, Dusty uh, created the belts. See, well, well okay. okay. You're right. Basically, the explanation was, you remember the national tag titles have been retired in, in January 86 at Watch Star Cave? So, yeah, I fucked yeah, they, they said that these were the new national tag titles renamed to the U.S. tag titles. Hmm. There you go, the national championships. Uh, all right, so here we go. We found another page to talk about. Uh, it's <laughs> UWF tournament. We've got Steve Williams, Michael Hayes, Sting, Ted DiBiase, or DiBiase, depending on who you're talking to. Brian Roberts, <laughs> Debussy, One Man Gang, 468 pounds. Jack Victory, the big underdog. Rick Steiner, sick. Missing Link with Dark Journey. Savannah Jack, who I could not pronounce his fucking name to save my life for years when I was younger. Uh, Savannah Jack. Uh, Bradley. <laughs> Savannah Jack. Butch I love Reed. it. Savannah Jack, Butch Reed, Jumbo <laughs> Tuarto. Uh, yes, kids. I got a little smarter, thank God. Savannah Jack. Uh, Badly Roy Brown. <laughs> and uh, Chavo Guerrero also in the tournament. So now we're going to change it over here. And uh, here is – we'll go with the results. <laughs> oh, yeah. Reports. And that, and that, and you got to remember, now we're in the era where it's not just WWF results. First Illustrated for the first six years, well, whenever they started doing results, but until l- l- the end of 85, early 86, it was all WWF results. Then they went around to all the other promotions, which was pivotal for me. So, yes, we got some good stuff here, I see. Yeah, well, I'm going to really focus on the undercards. Uh, uh, we've got Iron Mike Sharp beating Wildman Jack Armstrong in a WWF show. It's in Los Angeles. Or it's in yep. California, though. And then you got Billy Jack and Bob Orton with a big double count out. That was probably a really good match. They seem like they'd be good opponents. Uh, Misty Blue beat Linda Dallas in Baltimore. God bless her. Uh, downtown Danny Brown defended the belt against George, George Smith, who George I'm South. guessing might be yeah. George. <laughs> yeah. The Warlord beat both Thunderfoots. Uh, <laughs> Jim Garvin beat Sam Houston, which had to be the best match on the show. Well, it's only in Ronnie, Ronnie Garvin oh, there. Tell, well, Arn Anderson only yeah. gets rock and rolls there. And Dusty Rhodes on there. I still think it might have been pretty damn good. Uh, what else do we got here? Uh, Hercules Hernandez and Jimmy Jack Funk against the Bulldogs. How about Mike Jackson working at WF show? There he is in Birmingham. Yeah, Mike Jackson took the fall to Dangerous Danny Davis mm-hmm. there as Mr. X. Uh, Cousin Luke beat... Steve Lombardi and uh, Lanny Poffo wrestled Jose Luis Rivera in a babyface, babyface yeah. wimpy match, which is always good. Uh, what else we got here? Gurria loses to Kamala. Mr. X and Coco wear tore it down as usual. Jake the Snake DDT cousin Luke. 
Bulldogs against Hercules Hernandez and Jimmy Jack Funk is probably a fucking blast. Uh, Piper headlining is a good guy in Buffalo against the Sheik. Yeah. What else we got here? Got an outlaw uh, show of Knoxville results here, which is that's I love that. Yeah, Deke Rivers. Yeah, that's Deke. a good name. Beat Kenny. Paul. Yeah, Ron Sexton, Doug Vines. Yeah, Izzy Slapowitz. I was about to say, there's motherfucking Izzy Slapowitz, who we always seeing anywhere yeah. in wrestling. Uh, who else you got here? Uh, Ken Massey, Gustavo Mendoza, another name you know I had trouble with. Uh, Brett Wayne Sawyer, the Bubblegum <laughs> Kid. Gary Taylor winning the big $50,000 two-ring battle royal at the fairgrounds in Jackson. Terry Taylor pinned the one-man gang. That's a shocker. Uh, Savannah Jack. The aforementioned <laughs> Savannah Jack. I love it. <laughs> Jeff Gaylord. Uh, Gamma Singh beat Bob Bradley in Australia. Sal Balomo beat my man, AJ Petruzzi. Sega beat Jim Powers. Oh, SD Jones and Paul Roma beat the Moondogs. That's when SD Jones and Paul Roma got this huge push in Australia for some fucking reason. I remember it was in the magazine. And I'm like, okay. Uh, what else we got going on here? Hector Guerrero beat uh, Hector Guerrero beat Kong of the Barbarian. That's Kong, surprising. Yeah. Look at that. Mur- Murdoch and Arn in a time limit draw is probably fun as shit. That's a good match. What else we got here? Armand Rougeau beat Frankie the Thumper nope, Lane. It's Armand Rougeau, and Frankie Lane is the guy that wrestled back in the old in the seventies and stuff. He was he was a he was a ah. Canadian guy, if I'm not mistaken, well, more of Ontario based, but he was Cowboy Frankie Lane, not Frankie Lancaster. Oh, oh okay. Adrian Adonis beat Cousin Luke. Fabulous ones beat the Shock Troops and a steal the big cage match Shock there in Gainesville. Ed the Bull Gantner and Mr. Kareem Muhammad. Oh yeah. Candle Wyndham destroyed the ninja who might be it the is. great Muto, which is a fucking that is a fucking slight against God. I, why would Kendall Wyndham destroy the great Muto? But uh there you go. Uh Barry Wyndham beat Ron Bass in a bull rope match. Sean Royal, who's fucking awesome, beat Cuban Assassin. Ooh shit, look at guys, Hershey. That'd been my territory. I was not at this one. Machines beat Bundy and Stud. Man, Andre was always in Hershey. Savage beat Steel. Killer Bees drew with uh, Nikolai and the Sheik and a fucking barn burner. Bob Orton beat Tito Santana. Rougeau's beat Rene Goulet and uh, Jimmy Jack Funk, no doubt, with the Libam D. Rougeau, the wonderful finish. Sika uh, beat Tony Gria. And then uh, Dick the Rebel beat Terry Gibbs, who's a hell of a wrestler, by the way. Terry Gibbs. And Corporal Kirshner beat Iron Mike. Who had a girlfriend in Shemokin, so it might have been why he's working in Hershey. Uh, there you go, your territory, Knoxville, Tennessee. Wait, yeah, Knoxville, Tennessee. Well, the road for me, but oh Ad- yeah, you know, yeah, the bullet and Adrian Street against uh, Robert Fuller and Jimmy Golden. Jerry Stubbs lost to Brad, which had to be fucking exceptional. Debbie Combs beat Miss Linda, not to be confused with Linda Dallas. Uh, Wendell Cooley beat Kevin Sullivan by disqualification. Roy Lee Welch beat Tim Horner and Tony Anthony. Tommy Pritchard wrestled to a draw. Yeah, there are all kinds of good shit on this. Oh, here's a good one. MSG, Super Machine, Big Machine, Hulk Machine beat King Kong Bundy, Big John Studd, and Bobby Heenan. Ted RCD and Tony Gurria. Oh. I think I've seen that one on a prime. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah, no good. Uh, Nick Kaniski beat Steve Lombardi. Sika crushed Lanny Poffo. And the Islanders <laughs> defeated uh, yeah, the Moondogs. Yeah, Mr. Steve Regal was on the show beating Jose Luis. 
Oh yeah, Mr. Electricity did have a cup of I coffee think that was there, a baby eh? Match. Yeah, he would have been really good if he I don't know. Oh my god. Look, Sheik Al Shad, Chris. <laughs> Sergeant Slaughter and Sheik Al Shad. That is this is literally probably right after they Rutland, Vermont. Yeah. Jules Yeah, Chief Jules Strongbow, <laughs> Larry Winners. Uh, DC Mad Dog Drake wrestled Eddie Miranda, Tiger Jackson, and Puncho Boy. Uh, Wendy Richter had the big women's match with Peggy Lee Peggy Rude, Leather. who yeah. might have been Leather. And then, of course, the soul man, Rocky Jones, <laughs> beat the masked executioner. <laughs> There's that. Uh, now, here we go. All-time uh, – look at this next card, Chris, and tell me what name I can oh, pronounce. Oh, well, it's misspelled, too. Abudadine. <laughs> yeah. I swear to God, Abudadine <laughs> would be – Well, you're saying it like it's spelled, but that's, it's, yeah. it's, supposed, it's supposed to be spelled uh, A-B-U-D-D-A-D-E-I-D-E-I-N. Abudadine. This is Abugadadian. <laughs> yeah, I call him Abudadine for like <laughs> – like, I might have just figured it out now. Course, <laughs> That's what I'm trying to say. Curtis. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so the Road Warriors beat Rip Olivers and, Bru- and Bruiser Brody, which anytime Brody's in there with the Road Warriors, that's crazy. Uh, Slaughter beat the aforementioned Sheik A. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Nick Bockwinkle Bog- and Henning had the big double count out. Ricky Santana beat Maniac Mike Miller. Uh, Coco Samoa beat Vern Seibert, who always had a really good name. Uh, Brady Boone beat Joey Jackson. And Scott Doring, Vill- Vinny Valentino had the big draw. Uh, Scott Doring was a jack motherfucker. I remember he was he was thick. Vern Seibert, of course, would become a big time uh, tape dealer later on. Yeah, would he really? He supplied us with a lot of uh, Portland stuff that nobody else had because he recorded it. Portland, Vancouver. Stampede, yeah. Nice. Vern had Vern had a lot of good shit. Thanks, Vern Siebert. You're the man. Uh, War Memorial, Fort Lauderdale, my favorite. Out of all the shows on this entire fucking Lacard, this is the one I would want to go to because a, it's a Florida show in the '80s, and b, Barry Goddamn Wyndham beat Ron Bass to capture the big twenty-five thousand dollar twenty-man two-ring battle royal. Holy shit! Luger over Kareem Mohammed, four-star classic. Uh, Barry Wyndham beat Kendo Nagasaki. Tyree Pride and Stan Lane beat the Cuban Assassin and Butch Miller. This might have been when Steve got out of wrestling. No, I'm, by I'm, the way. I'm guessing probably something like maybe they got hurt in the battle royal or something, or I mean, if that was first or. Maybe just him and well, let's see. Luke's not there wrestling either, so Kern and Luke may be hurt or something. Oh yeah, you could be right. Sean Royal beat the Ninja. Holy fuck, Sean Royal beat the yeah. Great Muda, dude. Maybe that's why Sean Royal got that New Japan tour in '94. Maybe Muda won in his win back. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> How about that shit? Mark Starr beat Johnny. Be good. See, this is why we do this show. They come up with stuff like that because might be the reason. Uh, uh, Ontario, we got Jacques and Raymond. Beating uh, Brett and Jim. Brett Hart spelled wrong. Not a star yet, apparently. Uh, Iron Sheik pinned CV Afi. Corporal Mike Kirshner beat uh, Nikolai Volkov. RCD beat Iron Mike Sharp. Candy Purdue. Hmm. Interesting. Beat Judy Martin. Uh, Tony Parisi. Wow, there you go. The master of the big butt drop off the top beat Steve Lombardi. And Rene Goulet beat Bob Marcus. Whoever that was. Huh. All right, final page. 
Oh, wait, no, second to final page. Okay, Robert Gibson, Broken Ribs, and the Wrestling Inquirer. That's what hard news was at in this magazine. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, WWF and World Class Joint Forces. This is what we, we discussed earlier with George Scott. Wow, it's right here in plain ink, too. This is a significant deal for us. Official George Scott, formerly WWF. This lasted one and a half shows, I think. And that was it. Uh, Andre the Giant in England. Getting Filming, drunk, probably. Uh, What's going on? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. They didn't say it here, but you're right. That would have been what it was. Interesting. Then we got uh, Henning declaring war on Ganya. That's an evergreen fucking headline, as it could have been in the 70s, 60s, or yeah, fucking 80s. Yeah, but the thing is, is that, Saturday. you know, he's, he, do, he doesn't... I mean... This isn't really his heel turn yet. He, t- I mean, he doesn't. He do- he attacks Greg in this match, but st- it's still a babyface until the next year. Oh yeah, you're right. Until he punches him with yeah, the thing. Yeah, you're weird. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is kind of weird, dude. Ali Khan. I haven't thought of the name Ali Khan Tom in Lynch, years. Who worked in Continental's Boomer H Lynch. Yeah. Oh yeah. I thought his name was really Ali Khan. He was ball yeah, He played correct? football with Greg Gagne in Wyoming. Brother, you know so much. I'm so impressed with you by the show. That's insane. Ali Khan, fucking, that's it's great. Wyoming football. Yeah, oh. he was a member, he now was we got a round in Continental in 85 86 is Boomer H. Lynch. See, I got to go look up Ali Khan because I was, I believed uh, the great late, uh, oh God, what the she fuck is his name? Who's my, no, no, the, the guy that was the announcer, Larry, Larry Nelson, Nelson, I believe. And he's like, from Baghdad, Iraq, Ali Khan. Uh, who was the blaster? Gary Lindgren. He was a guy Holy that fuck. was a Vern trainee in the late 70s, early 80s. He suffered this like big injury, and he, he didn't wrestle for five years, and then comes back as a blaster. Do you think he sold his arm gimmick to Steve DeSalvo? <laughs> he might have. I mean, well, Not Steve, weird. well, Steve was an NWS Billy Jack Strong, so maybe he gave it to him. I swear to God, I think that's what happened. How this, this has to be the first time that was ever discussed, by the way. But I swear to God, I think there's something to it now that I just mentioned it. Yeah, no doubt. Like when the Minotaur had the big arm, because th- I was thinking, well, who else ever had the big arm thing? As you said his name, I'm like, oh, well, Steve DeSalvo is the Minotaur had it too. But then I'm like, oh shit, Billy Jack Strong was there when the blaster ran through the wall. Could be, guys. If you're a nerdy, you're loving this conversation. All right, so. Around the globe, Tiger Mask and Ricky Choshu are the two top contenders for Ric Flair's belt. Uh, there's that. I have planned strategy to defeat Flair, which says is, Tiger Mask. This uh, Tiger Mask. Yes. Good call. Montreal, Quebec. Former AWE World Champion Rick Martel has announced that he, Tom Zink, and Dino Bravo have decided to sign with the WWF. What? Zink and Martel have agreed to work as a tag team and go after the British Bulldogs. Bullshit. <laughs> uh, Bravo, who is managed, will be managed by Johnny V, added that the world title from Hogan is a high priority. Nice. That worked out. Oh good my for god! I just read the last one here. Can I read this? <laughs> you go right, right ahead, my friend. Tennessee. The team of Sato and Goto has gone to rampage. They broke Paul Diamond's leg. And then after getting reprimanded by Mid-Southern promoter, and mid, there's Mid-Southern again, Eddie Marlin, he injured his leg. Tojo Moto, manager of Sato and Goto, said Jerry Lawler's limbs are the next target. And now these are supposedly direct quotes from Tojo Yomoto. Soon, nobody in Mid-Southern Legion has any regs reft, unquote. I said Yomoto. 
We will injure them and put in hospital. Dude, I... God! <laughs> so fucking crazy. It literally says Reg Ref. Ref. Holy Mid-Southern shit. Mid-Southern Legion. PW, PWI in 86 is out of control. Wow. Uh, we're flipping it now to the that last word? page. The last word. Uh, we've got a, a panel of Dark Journey, Paul Ellering, Rick Rude, Dark and Nick Bachman. here, so 80s. Yeah, Stark Journey is the prototypical 80s chick right here. She says that Missy Hyatt, John Tatum, and Eddie Gilbert are a bunch of fools fighting amongst themselves like three maniacs. She brought in the missing link from the nudist con—oh, con- forget it—to uh, get rid of the Hyatt Incorporated, but it looks like that airhead is going to do it all by herself. I think right now I might sit back and watch Tatum and Gilbert fight over that witch. Imagine grown men arguing over a woman like her. Makes me really wonder about men, <laughs> although I'm not sure that's what I'd call Gilbert and Tatum. Oh, good promo. Uh, there are a couple of overgrown children who constantly need their egos fulfilled. What a joke. Oh, good job, Dark Journey. That was pretty good. I enjoyed that one. Paul Ellering, I'm coming out right now to say that the Road Warriors have declared war on Jim Cornette and Midnight Express. Animal and Hawk are under orders to do anything under their power to dismantle these three individuals, no matter what it takes. Cornette has no place in a wrestling ring, especially as long as he's carrying that goddamn rock. It doesn't say that. Uh, the Rock and Roll Express better move aside, because they're ours. I'm currently devising a master plan to rid professional wrestling of these three miscreants. Great word. The task will be completed. Very good. Paul Ellering. Miscreants. All right, so we've got fools and miscreants, and now the ravishing one is here, baby. And I'm here to say, and already doesn't sound like him, uh, all you wrestlers in the end of A better just clear out because there's going to be a trouble here. Dusty Rhodes, you disgraceful tub. <laughs> Look at your body. Look at this body. Look at what you'd love to have but never can because you just don't have the strength. You don't have the desire. Magnum TA, you can never match up to me. That would have been a great match, by the way. You've proven that you're nothing but a coward. Just a matter of time. Just a matter of time, folks, before I have that NBA belt around my waist. My pretty waist. And you all be bowing down to Rick Rude. Dude, Magnum and Rude would have been sick. Battle of the, the, the mustache. I know, yeah. All right. Closing it out with old Bach. Nick Bachwinkle. It's been four months, wrestling fans, and the AWA world title is still mine. I told everyone back in June that I'd have – I would have won the belt even if Hanson did show up. And the way I've wrestled since just proves my point. Big wins over Ali Khan. I've taken on every challenger from all corners of the globe, and I've turned them all aside. They'll never get this belt for me. I've got strength and skill and speed on my side. <laughs> I'm not even reading correctly. <laughs> it's just an unbeatable combination. Come on, Hanson, wherever you are. Show me you're a man. Come back after the title. You wouldn't stand a chance. The match never happened. But there you go, guys. The Pro Wrestling Illustrated from February 1987. A classic issue. Chock full of all kinds of one-liners for sure. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, the writing and the writing in this stuff is something else. I'll tell you. What a what a uh, what a here, Pro Wrestling Illustrated. Yeah, I don't know if we'll ever top that Colonel De Beers <laughs> or quote. To- or the Tojo but, stuff. They would actually spell out regs and refed. Yeah, too. It's just they were out to lunch on this issue. They probably got yelled at by after immediately. Uh, <laughs> well, that's another one down, guys. Uh, yeah. Good Lord. We, uh, we're going to get another one done this weekend. I'm calling it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call my shot here. Sometimes I... 
I dilly dally and don't get around doing the shows, but I think I have uh, this weekend maybe a little bit of time. So we we'll try to knock okay. another one out because I just so much. So if we get more of these out, yeah, it'll be my yeah. turn this time. So I we'll have to uh, see what kind of uh, what kind of issue uh, I will pick out here. Uh, let's see. We pretty much have a state. Let's see. We've done it in eighty five. We've done eighty six. We've done. I think we've done eighty six. Yeah, eighty seven. The A seven maybe twice now. So yeah, I can. Right, so, uh, we'll definitely, you know, we'll uh, try to, you know, I'll see what I can fit come up with. So uh, it could be earlier, it could be later. Yeah, earlier, later eighties. Yeah, I think we'll I think maybe an eighty nine issue may be in store. We haven't done eighty nine yet. Hmm. So. Oh, that's a great yeah, fucking so year. We'll look at that. Well, nothing's for certain. So, but we'll come up with something. Yes, absolutely. Well, I guess, yeah, it's my job here to sign off. I forgot about this. I, see, this is why I never run the show. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that's another one down, guys, for uh, the wonderful Chris Zellner out of Atlanta. This is Rob from PA signing off. We'll catch you sooner than later here on uh, Cover to Cover, your favorite uh, wrestling magazine podcast. So long from the Peach State of Georgia.